0: Episode 65, The Furious Follow the Man. I'm your host, Sports Guy 515, and on this episode, we continue our journey through summer 2015 by reviewing the new film of the summer, that's right, none other than Mad Max Fury Road. As well as taking a look back at the other films that we've seen over the last few weeks such as Furious 7, It Follows, and Ex Machina, plus some good old-fashioned movie news. But before all that, allow me to introduce my co-host, the man hired by the war boys to play a flaming tube on top of a tank, ladies and gentlemen. Adolfo.
1: Wait, wait, wait. We're critically acclaimed? Did I miss something?
0: <laughs> we're critically acclaimed, dude.
1: Does my wife count as a critic? Is that why? We're critically acclaimed because
0: Uh, off the record, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Um so everybody but You know
1: what? You know, before we get started, can I just say, you know what the show needs? What's that, that uh that I think would really get us into like the top 10 iTunes? a movie podcasts. Really? We need a dude on a truck with a flaming guitar. That'd
0: be awesome. That would so, be awesome. That would be such a great stunt for us, and our downloads would triple by the millions, I, I would think.
1: I don't know how we would translate that into an audio podcast, but that's what we need.
0: Well, I mean, we could have it as the podcast and then do a YouTube video. As, there you, okay as a, as a compliment
1: or or hear me out, hear me out. We are on the front of the truck, doing the podcast with flames shooting out of our <laughs> that
0: takes that it, man. that takes
1: it there we go now number one on itunes
0: now, <laughs> number one on iTunes for for weeks and even years, <laughs> but uh anyway. Uh, everybody, welcome to another episode of Force Respective. Thanks for joining us. Um, last episode, we talked about The Avengers. We did a full two-hour review on The Avengers. We got a little bit nerdy, but everybody enjoyed it, though. And now we're here to pretty much kind of catch up on our other movies and plus continue our trek towards summer 2015. But um, before we get into any reviews, let's get into some movie news. Now, this bit of news dropped today as of this recording um, as a little kind of a teaser for our Mad Max review. Uh, we got word that the Blu-ray edition of Mad Max Fury Road is going to contain a black-and-white version with an optional silent version that you can turn off the the like, the like sound on and off except for the musical score. Now, that's freaking wacky. Now, that would be the only thing I think that would make this movie that's already wacky enough even wackier.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting... I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. I, I don't know. It, it seems... I kind of like it – I kind of like the finished product as it is. I don't – I don't know. What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, according to Miller, this is the definitive version in his opinion of Mad Max, and it's the better version. And he said he's always wanted to do black and white going back to uh, I think the Road Warrior. He wanted to do that in black and white too.
1: But he filmed it in color, so like you have to process it into black and white as opposed to – like it's a much different look to – you know, shoot something in color and change it to black and white than it is to just shoot it in black and white, because you light like black and white differently than you light color. Than you light like color, so it's it's it. it I don't know. I, well, I, there's just something Miller, about it that bugs according me. According to right.
0: Miller, he wanted to do it in black and white, but he felt that this day and age, black and white is usually reserved for art films. So he wanted to just like oversaturate the color and make it. That's why it's just the whole like it's just bright orange and bright teal. That's really all you see in the entire film as far as the colors go, and that's why he just cranked up the, the saturation on it, and that's where you get the finished product.
1: Yeah, I mean I get that he wants to do I – mean, but he, here's the thing. I get that I get the artist in him wanting to do it in black and white. Uh, I understand that, but if you're going to do it in black and white, then you got to start in black and white. You can't reverse it later. That's just how I feel. Like I just don't – like you know uh, – for a little while, they were rerunning The Walking Dead and Black and White. It just didn't look good. And I have nothing against Black and White zombie movies. I have something against Black and White post processed movies. You know, I don't. Know. I just it's an interesting idea. I'm not. It, maybe I'll give it a shot and watch it. But when it, it's you know and watch it that way. But I don't like changing the makeup of something that wasn't originally shot in a certain way. I
0: yeah. I actually mean, recovered from.
1: That's why I'm not a big fan of, like, post-process 3D movies, you know? It, it's just uh, – there's just something about it.
0: Right. But the thing that's kind of makes this even more interesting is the fact that you can even turn off the, uh, the sound and just have the musical score playing, which would make it even <laughs> – that would be freaking awesome. Because the thing, too, about this is that there's not really a lot of – like, Max doesn't have a lot of lines in this movie. And then uh, Joe is covered by that mask. So you can't really see him talk anyway. So it kind of works – It would work either way. It it
1: totally works as like, I could see that. So then you just have a musical score. There would be no sound effects essentially and no dialogue, Right. right? I mean that could. I mean you can watch that movie as a silent movie. You know, like that. It doesn't need sound. Now the sound that they use, like the sound design, is very good. But you don't need sound to get what's going on. Especially you don't need. especially don't need dialogue. Like everything about that movie, you get without any information being told to you or are you having to listen to anything it's a very visual movie so that is ve- that is more interesting to me than the black and white thing
0: yeah i, I agree and um and the thing too is uh, i learned in film school when i was taking my classes that you could tell when a movie you can tell a good movie from a bad usually by i think i said this on the show before by putting the movie on mute and if by the end of the movie you still understood everything you understood what was going on then that's a well-directed movie a well-acted movie and that's really the difference. That's kind of the uh, way to kind of tell.
1: Um. Yes and no. I mean, I I think that's it's oversimplifying a little bit, but I mean, I, I would agree that if you can get what's going on in, in a uh, without the sound on, then, it, then the, it's well directed. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good movie. And I also don't think that it's not a good movie if you can't tell what, what's going on with the, without the sound but, but like i mean i get i get the i get the the spirit behind that concept and i generally agree with the concept but it, it's a little oversimplified
0: now we're not gonna get too much into mad max now, we're, i'm we're being
1: negative nancy today
0: <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say so i mean but i mean we're not gonna get into mad max a lot now we're gonna say that for the end of the show since it's gonna be our main event film to put it in wrestling terms but um george clooney Adolfo, George Clooney is still apologizing for Batman and Robin. He's doing the rounds, doing promo for uh, Tomorrowland, and they brought up Batman and Robin again, and once again, he apologized. But it's not his fault, really. I mean, kind of, but not – I mean, I wouldn't put the whole blame on him.
1: No, it's not his fault. It was the script's fault. It was the director's fault. It was the producer's fault. It was Warner Brothers' fault. The last thing that failed in that movie was the actors. I mean – Maybe. Did Arnie overact in this movie? Yeah, he did. But that's the last thing. Like, this movie went wrong before they even cast the movie. You know what I mean? This movie went wrong well before it actually went into production. This movie went wrong in the pre-production stage. You know what? This movie went wrong after Batman Forever's re- credits started rolling. So that that's what happened. That's, <laughs> that's a good one. No, but I mean, here's here's what he told audiences when he was on. The, he
0: did the Graham Norton show to promote Tomorrowland, and then when they asked him about uh, Batman and Robin again, he said he he. They asked why he took the role, and he said that he thought at the time it was going to be a very good move, but it wasn't. That was that's his that's his quote. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. And I mean, he he's right. I mean, the the thing kind of uh backfired, almost ruined his career. But he's George Clooney, so of course he got past it, and look where he is now.
1: I don't think it almost ruined his career, because he was, I think it was just, um, uh. it, it certainly, it, it took a hit. But I mean, within a couple of years, he's doing Ocean's Eleven and, you know, Three Kings and uh, Out of Sight. Like, he was fine. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I'm just
0: repeating what he said over the years, that it kind of almost ruined his career. But of course, he's George Clooney, so there's no way his career is getting ruined, not with his charisma and his talent. Uh, Kind of keeping on the uh, comic book movie uh, range, um, there's a rumor going around that uh, in Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, Wonder Woman is going to be like, this is spoiler territory, so if you don't want to, possible spoiler territory, so if you don't want to know, I probably fast forward this part, um, she's going to be at least 100 years old, and that the uh, Wonder Woman movie is supposedly going to be set in the 1920s.
1: Uh, Okay, sure. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so, I don't. This whole the the DC the, the DC universe to me to me is I don't care. I don't give a damn about it. So <laughs> if they're gonna do that, that's fine. I mean, if you're going with comic history, she was like she did take part in like world war two and was doing stuff there but then again so were superman and batman in the comics but i don't know whatever it's fun. like i don't ca- uh, I, I do i want a wonder woman movie to succeed absolutely there's there's not enough female driven superhero movies out there uh there's not any really uh but i don't think that this dc universe is doing anything right so far so i, I maker 100 maker 20 years old it doesn't seem to matter because this movie's i don't have any faith in this movie at all
0: <laughs> and that's putting it lightly it's just it's not just this movie but it's anything dc does at this point unless they prove to us otherwise with this uh dawn of justice so we'll have to see so kind of keep it in with the superhero movie topic um yeah, so over the weekend, I was uh, – I read an article from Facebook. You know, they had the topics and all the trending topics, and one of them was about Michael B. Jordan writing a letter to critics. So I was like, okay, what's this about? So apparently there's been backlash against him or against like the uh, producers of the movie for casting Michael B. Jordan as uh, the Human Torch, who traditionally in the comics was a white guy. And, of course, you have peop- – of course, you're always going to have people like that who – Either are doing it just to be faithful to the comics or to be racist pricks, put it lightly. And uh, he put a letter out. He, he, uh, Entertainment Weekly published a letter and just here's some experts from it. He said, uh, you're not supposed, this is a quote. You're not supposed to go on the internet when you're cast as a superhero. But after taking on Johnny Storm and Fantastic Four, a character originally written with blonde hair and blue eyes, I wanted to check the pulse out there. I didn't want to be ignorant about what people were saying. Turns out this is what they were saying. A black guy? I don't like it. They also doing it because Obama's president. And it's not true to the comic. Or even, they destroyed it. It used to bother me, but that doesn't anymore. I can see everybody's perspective, and I know I can't ask the audience to forget 50 years of comic books. But the world is a little more diverse in 2015 than when the Fantastic Four comic first came out in 1961. Plus, if Stanley writes an email to my director saying, you're good, I'm okay with this, who am I to go against that? To the trolls on the internet, I want to say... Get your head out of the computer. Go outside and walk around. Look at the people walking next to you. Look at your friends' friends and who they're interacting with. And just understand this is the world we live in. It's okay to like it. So uh, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, he's right. It, it doesn't matter that the Human Torch is black. Um, I certainly don't have a problem with it. Um, but And and if you have a big major problem with it, then you are kind of being a racist prick. Especially if, if you're... Doing it because you know what? It's not even that. It's not you're being racist. Let me let me let me backtrack a little bit. I can understand if you were a fan of the comics and you read the comics and you see a character uh, looking a certain way. I can understand if you if you get annoyed if they don't you know if he doesn't look the way that you're you seeing him. I mean, people got annoyed and and this is two white guys by the way. People got annoyed when Daniel Craig was cast as blonde Bond because he's blonde, you know, and they're like, oh, they, James Bond's supposed to have brown hair or black hair. And Daniel Craig, Craig is a blonde. And people got all upset about that. Right. So it, it's not even sometimes it's not even a racist thing. Sometimes people just want the canon version of something and they want it to look exactly how they always pictured it. it does, sometimes it's not racism. Sometimes it's just I want to see it the way I pictured it in the on the page. Now, when you take those people out of the equation, there are totally definitely ignorant racists out there. And the people who are like it's ruined because it's a black guy you people are insane. Now, I have no problem with Johnny Storm being a black guy. I have no problem with it. What I have a problem with is the entire film itself. It's Johnny Storm being a black guy is the least of this movie's problems. It's like not it's not even remotely it's not even in the top 30 things that I'm going to have a problem with this movie about. Uh, I don't know why people are getting so upset about that. Um, To me, it's like, it's like the Ghostbusters, the female ghostbusters thing. I have no problem with all female ghostbusters. All female ghostbusters is perfectly okay with me. I have a problem with Melissa McCarthy and I have a problem with like it being a reboot and not a sequel, but it being all women, totally fine. I'm okay with that. it's, It's kind of along those same lines. Like, that's not the problem the problem is everything else around it yeah
0: i mean i have no problem with michael b jordan as johnny he's a good actor exactly he's a great actor if you saw Fruitvale station you know what i'm talking about that guy is a tremendous talent so i'm I'm actually pretty excited here's the thing with with this movie i mean we've talked about it before but just I, i kind of feel i have to say it um it's just that the movie i we don't we don't need a fantastic four movie that's probably where my uh Kind of lack of hype for this movie comes from that we really don't need a Fantastic Four movie, but I do like the actors. I mean, Miles Teller, of course, he's ascending very slowly to godhood, but he's almost there. You're gonna reach J.K. Simmons the little godhood if he keeps you know his uh, his good performances up. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. I mean, these these are great actors. So as far as performance wise, I'm kind of excited for it. But I mean, it's just that you know I don't really I don't think anybody wanted to see another Fantastic Four movie, at least not for a while. And I don't know, it's just I'm just not excited for it, other than that aspect of it.
1: I don't think it's the people didn't want to see another Fantastic Four movie. I think it's the people didn't want to see this Fantastic Four movie.
0: As far as this one, like what do you mean by that?
1: It looks shitty. (laughs) Like I don't know how (laughs) to put it. Like they don't want to see a shitty Fantastic Four movie. They don't want to see a a Fantastic Four movie where they change almost everything about the characters. They make them younger because they're hipper that way. And it's also – they're making this movie because they want to hold on to the rights and for no other reason. This movie is not being made for art's sake. This movie is being made for the sake of we don't want Marvel to get their hands on it again. We want to keep this property. And when you you have a movie that's coming from that perspective, like I can't – it's not a recipe for, for success. And that's what bothers me about it. It's the same reason why those amazing Spider-Man movies felt so soulless is because they were only making those movies so that Marvel didn't get the rights to back to them because you can only you can only keep those rights as long as you keep using the property, you know, and I, I guess the property was going to run out soon. So they, they they made another Fantastic Four movie and that's a soulless way to make films. And I know we're talking about the superhero genre, which is, you know, big budget and action, and maybe you could say, oh, there's not a lot of soul there anyway, but that's not the point. The point is, like, when you make a movie based on purely, you know, on the decision purely just to keep intellectual property and for no other reason, that to me is not a reason to make a movie.
0: I mean, I agree. Again, Fantastic Four comes out in August, and uh, I'm sure we're still going to see it one way or another, whether it's studio copy or in the theater. But uh, I mean, we'll, look, we'll, we'll I, I hope I'm that. wrong.
1: Yeah, I hope. But I don't think I will be.
0: <laughs> uh, next up here we have. OK, so just a little bit of casting is Reese Witherspoon was cast to play Tinkerbell in the Disney Peter Pan spinoff, live action spinoff, I should say, Tink. Um, this is not really the topic I really want to talk about. What I want to talk about is the fact that, OK, so Disney's making all these live actions movies out of their uh, classic animated films. So we talked about this a little bit on History of Disney on uh, the Pinocchio show, which should be up as of this episode. Um, I don't know if I like it. I mean, the, the JD, Ed, and I kind of pretty much agreed that this is kind of uh, basically Disney just re-releasing or you know trying to use their old – going back to the old bag, I guess is the best phrase to describe it. They're not really trying to come up with anything new. They're just trying to go back and just, oh – Pinocchio. We'll do a live-action Pinocchio.
1: I knew they're doing Beauty and the Beast. I knew about the Tank thing, and I knew about uh, Pinocchio and Dumbo, okay. and the Jungle Book as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Jungle Book, Dumbo, Winnie the Pooh, Pinocchio, uh, Tink, and I Beauty and the Beast, and I think there was one more that I'm missing, but I can't remember.
1: Wait. How are they gonna do? How are Win- they gonna do Winnie the um, Pooh? Right. Winnie the Pooh.
0: I have no idea. I th- but it's, Mr. Randy so said Winnie it's gonna be
1: just some Pooh terrible is... CGI thing. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh is all stuffed animals. There's no, well, I guess Christopher Robin, right? But yeah, he'd be the Christopher, only. Christopher. So, so we're just gonna put like one kid acting against a bunch of green screen.
0: I mean, that's I, I, it, I right? So. I,
1: that's, how, that's essentially what it would be. And Dumbo, that's all animals too, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I guess they'd have to like add some humans to interact with Dumbo, right? But with Dumbo, you're gonna have to, and it's. Tim Burton, uh, who's been hit or miss, mostly missed the last ten years. Um, so you're gonna have a big CGI elephant. So if you're gonna have a big CGI elephant, then why not just keep it a cartoon? You know? Yeah. It and doesn't then, make and, sense.
0: And then they started this whole like experiment thing about releasing live action versions of stuff with the Maleficent. And I didn't. I mean, money wise, it did all right, but as far as critically, well, it was, I, it, no, I heard it was pretty bad. It,
1: it did. It, it, more than all right, it did a lot, it did a lot of bank. Uh, Maleficent was a very big success for them financially. You know, I watched Maleficent. It was fine. It wasn't. It was fine. That's a, that's a, that's all I can say for it. I didn't hate it. It was it was fine. It was like okay, I watched that. You <laughs> know, you know, it was. I mean, Ange- Angelina Jolie was good, and the rest of it was like all right, whatever. You know, um, uh, Cinderella got good reviews. Um,
0: yeah, that's right. That's a, true.
1: And it made a lot of money, and that's the thing. Uh, Maleficent made a lot of money. cinderella made a lot of money. They're gonna keep this trend going because they have found a new way to, to retell their stories. And they have, you know, it's a smart, it's, it's smart business. It's it's smart business. It's not necessarily the most artful way to to make movies, yeah. as that's I was just talking. Point. Yeah. Fantastic Four, you know, but it's a smart way to make movies, you know. Um, I wonder how far down the well they're going to go because I mean how I mean how uh, where are they going to draw the line? I mean are they going to draw the line at like the rescuers <laughs> or are they going to draw the line at oh. You know the fox and the hound. You know what I mean. Like, where are they going to be? Like, okay, we've bled this this well kind of dry now.
0: Or about Robin Hood. <laughs>
1: Robin Hood. Yeah.
0: Robin Hood. Well, I'm
1: sure Robin. they'll make a. I mean, they could do a Robin Hood with all humans, but I mean, who cares about that? The, the the Disney one with the fox is exactly because it's like it's different. I mean, aren't they all the? They're all the characters from the Jungle Book essentially, right? Except <laughs> in Robin.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. Now that I think about it.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, all right.
0: We'll, we'll Jungle... see how we'll see how this goes.
1: The Jungle Book movie is like whatever. Oh, actually, you know what? They started way before this. They started with Alice in Wonderland years ago.
0: You know what? I didn't like Alice in Wonderland.
1: We talked well, about I that
0: too on on the uh, the uh, Snow White show. I didn't like Alice in
1: Wonderland. I, I didn't either. I
0: hated, but I didn't like it.
1: But they st- but that I think that's really when they started it is with Alice in Wonderland.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, we forgot about that one. Honestly, I mean, I also want to know what we'll get to in a couple of episodes on on history of Disney. So look out for that. But
1: um... speaking, of, speaking of Pinocchio, you'll uh, I did, or not Pinocchio. Speaking of Snow White, I did uh, just buy my daughter a Blu-ray of Snow White. Now, if you look on Uh-oh. Amazon, the Blu-ray is like one hundred and fifty dollars. That's right. I did not pay one hundred and fifty dollars.
0: I was about to say, dude.
1: I bought a used copy. <laughs> so did I. Uh, for like 25. So, um. See,
0: I paid 40 for mine. Look oh, really? thought I'm, yeah.
1: I, I, I'm going to use one for 25. Um, I think 30 was shipping because it was through a, a, a second-hand seller. Well, yeah, the I 40 was plus shipping, yet. yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't, you know, I, I haven't received it yet, so I actually don't know how the quality is going to be on the blue. It, it was listed as, quote unquote, very good. So, I, I mean, the seller had a high rating, so I'm going to assume they were, It's it's okay, but, um, yeah, so I thought you'd appreciate that. That I, that That's, that I, I'm start because I was thinking to myself, I should really pick up some of the more hard-to-find ones now, so that, like, because even now they're already kind of, ex- the next one on the list is going to be Pinocchio, because that's, like, the Blu-ray's $100 for that. So I'm going to try to find a, a used one for that one.
0: Oh, definitely. Did you you didn't hear the show yet, did you?
1: No, I haven't. I have not.
0: Oh, yeah, so uh, when, you, when you watch it, then definitely listen to it, because it's. It was definitely a fun time. And Pinocchio, for those who haven't uh, heard it, is definitely a fun time. Probably the most fun we've had so far, and it's, but it's only been a couple shows. So definitely check that one out. We had a, a great time with that
1: one. All
0: right. Um, and for those who don't know, actually, and moving on to the next news topic, um, there's going to be a Blade Runner 2. I didn't know this until I actually started looking up some news articles to talk about, and I saw that this article saying that they cat they cast – they hired Roger Deakins as cinematographer. Now, Roger Deakins is a, uh, for those who don't know, he's like the Coen brothers' frequent DP. He's part, actually been with them, like, their entire filmography. But they, uh, they hired Roger Deakins for um, cinematographer here for Blade Runner 2, and the director, according to what this article says, is Denis Villeneuve, who I believe directed Prisoners, which was a great movie we both liked. We reviewed it on the show. Um, what are your thoughts on that and the fact that there's going to be a Blade Runner
1: 2? Well, Deacons is a fantastic cinematographer, so no, that's a fan, that's phenomenal. Uh, I don't need a Blade Runner Part Two. I love Blade Runner so much. I don't need another one. I it was fine by itself. Like I don't understand the desire to to make another one, especially because I feel like if you make another one, then you defin- then you de- kind of definitively have to answer if Deckard is a replicant or not. And I think that's one of the fun things about the original one is that you def- you don't know definitively if he isn't um, because, you know, you can take the movie either way. If you watch the movie either way, you kind of get a different read on it, you know? So uh, I don't really want to, I don't really want it. I don't like, I yeah. love that movie and, and, and I'll watch it. I'll go, I'll go see it because that's what I do. But <laughs> It, I just I don't want to I don't want it to happen.
0: Um, just real quick though, now that we're on Blade Runner 2, um, there's really no plot details out right now because it's being kept secret. But for now, it says that Harrison Ford is set to reprise his role as Deckard. Um, it's supposed to pick up in real time after his predecessor, so it's been what like 20 years, 20 plus years I think since that film.
1: So gonna no, pick it's up... 82, so that would be 33 years. Oh, 30. 30 I'm thinking 20.
0: See, I'm thinking we're like in 2002 right now. That's what I'm saying, 20 years. So, like, okay, 30 years. And uh, it says that there's indication that Deckard won't be the main focus of the story and that the other male lead is going to be played by Ryan Gosling in this film.
1: I mean, I like Ryan Gosling, but I just don't, I don't want it. Let me put it this way. There back in nineteen ninety a film there was a sequel to a well regarded film series that came out and it did not was not very well received and that movie was Godfather three like true. sometimes just leave leave the leave the perfectly preserved past in the past and don't try to do anything else to it you know just leave it be I i don't want it i don't want it yeah just leave it a-
0: I was kind of like, annoyed when I read like this, things, too. But. Things
1: like Star Wars are different because Star Wars, it's something that people want to see. And, you know, there, there's too much of a demand for it. There's not that much of a demand to see Blade Runner 2. You know, like, like, I I I like the story as is. The story is self-contained. I don't need to see more. and that And that story is perfect as it is.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean... The first Blade Runner is like a classic. So I, the fact that I even found this article says Blade Runner 2, I was like, Blade Runner 2, when are they going to make that? Like, why are they going to make that? And it's just, you know, I mean, again, we really shouldn't judge until the movie comes out. But it's like, we really don't need this. That's the problem with it. And the same thing, we don't need Toy Story 4, but they're giving us that too.
1: Toy Story 4 makes me even more madder because that Toy Story 3 ended so beautifully. And it was such a perfect ending, it did not need another one.
0: Definitely, no definitely that had the perfect ending there's no reason for a four which is, that makes it stupid um okay so i have one more news article to talk about unless you have one that you want to bring up um so we're already looking towards summer 2016 and one of the movies coming out next year for the summer is going to be independence day two now i'm hoping um we can do a little bit of like a. Uh, not so much a tribute, but something fun with the first Independence Day film this summer as part of our our lineup of episodes. But as far as the news on Independence Day 2, it's supposed to pick up 15 years after the original. And essentially, from what I understand, it's supposed to be the aliens just finding out now that about what happened in Part 1 because of like the time distance with space and all that or whatever however they phrased it. And now they're coming to get their revenge. So Will Smith is not in this movie, but Goldblum is. I think Bill Pullman is in it too. Vivica A. Fox is in it. And it's going to be some new characters. Like Liam Hemsworth is playing somebody. Um, so, I mean, it, I it, the first Independence Day is just, it's just so cheesy. And I just – I like that film. I'm sorry. I mean people – I know this people hate it because it's just like basically like disaster porn. But – I mean it's just so cheesy that it's just it's likable to me. I just like that movie and I'll watch it every year. I'll watch it, you know, even when it's not, you know, around the summertime, but I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm kind of excited for this.
1: No, I like Independence Day. It's 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 not it's not um five star, you know, instant classic, but it's 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 perfectly acceptable popcorn entertainment and it'll probably go down as one of the greatest blockbusters ever. I mean, it was I remember when that movie came out; it was absolutely enormous. Um, it, it's, you know, they've been making. Um, there have been rumors and news stories about Independence Day 2 since 1997, so I'll believe that this movie that this movie is being made when I see a trailer. When I see a trailer, I'll believe it's made. Up until then, I'm not going to believe it.
0: So uh I mean that's pretty much it for for our news unless you have anything to bring up. Um
1: no I don't think, I think i Oh wait yes I do. I do. Uh I was reading this isn't really news but it's a it's a it's more of a, a thing that we, I saw on CNN today uh, as of today's recording about uh these you know it's an article written by some CNN staff writers you know that where they picked the most famous movie or the most iconic movie that they have never seen. And there's some kind of shocking things. Like how could anybody have ever seen that? Movies like Star Wars, um, you know, Pulp Fiction, Titanic, Jaws, Ghostbusters. And it's – I don't know about you when you read through this thing, but I actually was – as I read more and more, I actually just got physically angry. And <laughs> not because they didn't watch it. It doesn't bother me that people don't watch movies. It's fine. I get that – Sometimes I I am shocked when someone says they haven't seen something like, um, you know, uh, Star Wars, for example, or they've never seen, you know, Jaws or whatever. But uh, it might be shocked, but I'm not going to get mad they haven't seen it. What gets me mad is a refusal to see it or a preconceived notion of what it is, and that and that is why they're refusing to see it. Or just that they have no interest in in, in, in see and it just that bothers me, and like some of the things that the, they were on here, like the only one that i that I kind of was like, okay, I understand that was the one for Braveheart, where the person you know basically said they never saw they never got around to seeing it, but uh in recent years, Mel Gibson has been kind of you know Mel Gibson has had his issues. With with saying kind of intolerant things and getting some <laughs> yep. and and if you've never seen Braveheart, it might be hard to swallow seeing him in a heroic role. That I understand. I'm not gonna really, but like there's like some of the other ones, like It's a Wonderful Life, like they're saying, oh, I I can't stand sentimental movies and and cheesy movies, and it's like, well, if you watch the movie, you would know that it's not that cheesy, and the sentimentality is earned. Like, it just assumes that the sentimentality is just goes right for the sentimentality right away and only knows that like, oh, well, I know the story already. It's, you know, a guy is visited by a spirit and, and sees what his life is like without him. It's like that's not the whole story. The whole story is not even that. That's like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Exactly. The entire movie is about George and just his life and seeing the good person that he is and the sacrifice he makes so that by the time you get to the sentimental moment, it is completely a hundred percent earned. So that's what bothers me about some of this stuff is that it's, if you can read it, you can, um, it, you can Google it. It's called, uh, the famous movie I never saw by the CNN staff. And it's, it, it, that's what bothers me about it. It's like, you're just making an assumption on, uh, on the movie without actually having seen it. And that bothers me more. And like, it bugs the shit out of me so uh, i don't know
0: well for that... those who don't know the uh the movies they talk about here are uh, star wars gone with the wind which, by the way gone with the wind bro it was on public television up in my neck of the woods about a month ago and i got into it about halfway through and once i i found that it was on i stayed for the for the rest of the movie this was like two hours already in with another two hours left so <laughs> i mean it's just one of those movies that like once it's on i just got to stop and watch it it's just that good
1: Uh, You know, I can can get Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind is one that I can understand why you wouldn't want to see it because it's an investment of time. And I'm not going to say – I'm not – if that's the only reason, I'm going to forgive someone for that because it is a long, 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 long movie. But if you're just going to go ahead and make assumptions about it without seeing it, that bothers me. But Gone with the Wind, if you're saying, well, it's like a four-hour movie. I don't have time to watch a four-hour movie. I understand that. I'm not going to get upset about it. But any other reason where you make up, I would be upset about. Sorry, keep going.
0: (laughs) Uh, Pulp Fiction is one. Titanic, um, Jaws, Sound of Music, Braveheart. Now, to kind of go into your Mel Gibson thing, did you ever see that Family Guy joke about Mel Gibson apologizing to the Jews? No. That's one of the best bits they've ever done. So basically it's just Mel Gibson on a podium apologizing to the Jews. He goes like, I'm really sorry about your big noses. I'm really sorry about how greedy you are. Sincerely, Mel Gibson. It is <laughs> there's another one, too, that he said I just can't remember, but that was one of the best things I've ever done. It was just so funny. Um,
1: it, it's it's a- frustrating with Mel Gibson that he's so crazy because he is really kind of an excellent filmmaker. Yeah. And it, it's crazy. It's, it's upsetting how crazy he is.
0: I know. It really is. So the other films are It's a Wonderful Life, which we just talked about, Ghostbusters. How could you have not seen Ghostbusters? I mean, come on. I'm, it's going to be sad that for a lot, a lot of these people, the first Ghostbusters they see is the new Ghostbusters with the ladies. I mean, that's that's kind of depressing. Not because it's women. I'm just saying because you have – you. why how has nobody seen this this Ghostbusters movie? Like, come on now. That, kind, that was annoying. And the Schindler's List and the Harry Potter films are the other ones. And The Graduate and Shaw, Shawshank Redemption. I can't believe anybody's not seen it, Shawshank Redemption. And, of course, The Godfather, which is on, a popular movie to bring up on these types of articles. And The Lion King, too. Lion King and Times of the Lambs are the last ones. But uh, I think I you know, own the all most, these movies.
1: The most surprising one is, is, is... So you'd think the most surprising one might be Titanic, because Titanic is... Up until Avatar was the biggest movie of all time, so everyone must have seen it. But actually, the most surprising one is The Shawshank Redemption. Because The Shawshank Redemption is fucking on all the time. There is literally <laughs> not a time on Earth, on this planet... In the United States on any where it's not on on some channel somewhere. I love that movie, but that movie is always on. At some point, it's always on. How can someone not have seen this movie? It's impossible to have escaped this film.
0: I don't know. I mean
1: it's, it's literally maybe they live an in impossibility. like
0: Hicksville or something where they don't get television. I don't know.
1: It is literally impossible to have never seen the Shawshank Redemption because it's always on TV. Like, 100% of the time. I think there's a channel just called Shawshank where it just plays 24
0: hours. <laughs> they, no, there should be a channel called Shawshank. But I'm, I'm looking at all these movies, and I'm... Let me see. One. I own all of these movies, so it's like, how could somebody have never seen any of these? Because, I, I mean, I, I get... I, I'm like a film nerd. I own all these movies. It's just, I can't believe that there's people that haven't seen the, these classics. I, mean, I, now, I know you do like, like Titanic, but it's like, I mean, a lot of people. Get, I don't like Titanic,
1: classic. but I, but I, I appreciate its, its, its value in history. Exactly. Um, it, it, I the the one the only ones I can, the only ones I can excuse as to how you could never have seen them, are the older ones like Gone with the Wind, um, It's a Wonderful Life, and Sound of Music because those movies, don't really play in heavy rotation. Star Wars, I mean. Pulp fiction, like Brave like everyone knows someone who's seen these movies or has a copy of them or it's on TV or whatever. Like the other ones are a little since they're older, it might be a little hard to see to find them. But The Godfather is on all the time on TV.
0: Oh yeah, uh, AMC does their gangster weekend or whatever, it's always on.
1: Like some of these like I just again, it's not it's not the fact that they haven't seen them, it's the fact that they just don't it's that it's their snotty opinion as to why they haven't seen them that bothers me. It makes me angry.
0: I, I don't get how. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you said. It's basically not that they haven't seen it. It's just that, you know, they pretty much have no desire to see it. And they're just bringing it up and just saying, oh, I haven't seen Star Wars, but I, I don't care. You know, it's just that kind of added to this, like, uh, you know, to us, you know, cinephiles, that's kind of irritating.
1: And I could. You know what? The other one I would forgive is if, if something like Pulp Fiction, if you're a. If you're someone who doesn't like you know, R-rated violence or, or things like that and you, you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, I'm not going to really give you shit for that either. you know, Because that's a pretty rough movie when it comes to violence and swearing and drug use and pretty much everything under the sun, right? So uh, I'm not going to – if you're not into like – if you like PG and G-rated entertainment and you've never seen Pulp Fiction, I'm not going to give you static for that. But
0: but the Lion King, man, come on.
1: The Lion King, Star Wars, seriously? Come on,
0: come on. I mean, The Lion King is probably the most surprising out of all of them because it's it's for everybody. It's, it's a Disney movie. How could you have not seen this? It's just whatever. It's, let's uh, let's move on. Um, now we can finally get into our uh, our movie reviews. And uh, for this first one, I mean, we've talked about in the past how you know the um, beginning of the summer movie season keeps moving up, you know, with every passing year. This time. At least this year, it's started right at the beginning of April, I think, and I have not seen yet Furious Seven, so you know don't you know hold hold your fire as far as what you want to do right now, but I know Adolfo's seen it and he's been itching to talk about it, so I'm gonna let let him have the floor. Um, for a lot of people, this was the beginning of the summer for them, so how was Furious Seven?
1: You know, Furious Seven is a worthy entry into the Fast and Furious series. Uh, especially whenever it is compared to the last um uh two films Furious uh, Fast 5 and Fast Furious 6 it was released on April 3rd i believe so even though it was way back at the beginning of April uh this is considered a summer movie because uh as we as we talked about on the summer preview show with uh Draven uh the Summer, summer keeps starting earlier and earlier as far as Hollywood's concerned. And now April is a, is a month where Hollywood can start making money. And it used to be, you know, May was the month, and now they're starting a little bit in April with things like Furious 7. Uh, Furious 7, I mean, to describe the plot, if you watch Fast and Furious 6, you know at the end of, the, at the end of that film, spoilers, uh, you see an appearance by Jason Statham, vowing he's going to get revenge on the on the crew. So that's basically the movie. It's him, it's Jason Statham trying to hunt down the Fast and Furious crew uh, and trying to get revenge for them uh, hurting his brother. Uh, but also at the same time, you've got the, they're also working, now working with the government to steal a uh, top secret MacGuffin um, that's going to do something or other, blah blah blah. It doesn't matter. It, all of this stuff is just Setups for elaborate chase sequences and impossible stunts, and that's really all you go to a Fast and Furious movie for. So they cracked the code back with the movie Fast Five when they got to fast. Like because up until then the, the the series was eh, it took itself a little too seriously and it wasn't. It was kind of silly and it, like they they weren't in on the joke. When they got to Fast Five, they were totally in on the joke. They were winking at the camera, and they were like, "All right, we're just going to make a movie about cars and racing and stuff flying through the air, and you're just going to you're just going to like it." And and people ate it up. And Furious Six was on the same level, maybe not. Fast Five is still the the standard bearer, but Furious Six kind of wasn't as good, but it was still almost there as far as quality. And Furious Seven kind of is probably around that same level too. Uh, it's again just just setups for it's like a Jackie Chan movie, right? It doesn't really matter what the plot is. You just want to see Jackie Chan do his thing. <laughs> that's that's right. kind of what the the Fast and Furious movies are. It really doesn't matter what the plot is. It's just setups for cool action sequences, and that's what you get. Um, highlights of the film are definitely Jason Statham as the bad guy, um, Kurt Russell as like a uh, like a covert ops black you know, black ops, like, government agent that kind of helps out the, the main crew. Um, and, of course, the, uh, the brothership, the camaraderie between Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. Um, this, is, uh, this was Paul Walker's final film. Uh, he died during the production of this film. And it's interesting because I thought that since they were filming this movie while he was, um, when he died... I assumed that they were going to kill him off in the film um they don't he makes it through the film uh really? but they have a tribute to him at the end. Oh,
0: yeah, I heard about that,
1: that. you know I didn't think it was going it was going to be as effective as it was. I'm just going to put it that way. Mm. I was when I I got to that
0: tribute, it sounds like somebody was cutting onions in the theater.
1: Yeah, I mean, not quite there, but I was like, it it certainly it certainly kind of hit me in the chest a little bit. I was like, oh, oh, damn, I wasn't uh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, But it was, you know, it's a fun movie. Uh, It's it's not the car movie of the summer. We'll get to that later on. But it's certainly a, a, a worthy entry into the series. Uh, my biggest complaint about the film, though, however, is they plastered Mr. Dwayne The Rock Johnson all over the advertisement for this. But my man Dwayne is only in two scenes.
0: Oh, come on.
1: I'm not sure ju- He's in the first scene, and he's got an awesome fight scene with Jason Statham. And he's in the last scene in the big action sequence at the end. And that's it. He's not in pretty much the entire middle chunk of the movie. He's not there at all.
0: Well, I heard he might get his own movie.
1: I wonder, I don't know. I also wonder if it was a case of like cuz they kind of they, you know, to use a wrestling term, they, they 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 uh they booked an injury, right? So like yeah. they he, he he got injured and then he was out of the movie and then he comes out you know, he comes back at the end. Um he's not uh I wonder if he if it was one of those cases where like we only got him for like 10 days. So let's film his stuff and get it out of the way, and then he's got to go do his other thing. Maybe that's why he wasn't.
0: That in that, that makes the, sense,
1: because that's what happened with that's what happened with Jet Li, and I think in the Expendables too. Like he was only in like the first sequence, and then he's not in the rest of the movie. So like, I, I wonder. And you know what? They can get away with it in these movies, but. It's kind of like they bait and switched me, you know, like they totally I totally thought the rock was going to be in this whole thing. And he totally wasn't. But I will say the fight scene with Statham is amazing. It's a fantastic fight scene. The, the car stunts are awesome. Um, there's one stunt where they're on like a mountain road and uh, they have to like get into like a prison truck. And Paul Walker has a fight scene with one of the dudes from the raid. And it's a, it's awesome. Uh, it, it, it the whole movie. That's kind of how you describe this movie. It's, like, it's awesome. It, it's just a fun movie. Now I will say this: while I'm sure there are plans to make Fast and Furious Eight, I honestly don't know where you go from here because they literally threw the cars out of a plane and to, to have them land on the road. I mean, yes, they put parachutes on them and stuff, but. <laughs> that was one of the sequences. They dropped them out of an airplane. You cannot top dropping out of an airplane. So where do you go from there? Like as a as a spectacular action sequence, where do you go from there? That's pretty awesome, bro. <laughs> and it is our boy James Wan. he's, he's our boy. That's true. Else. Our boy
0: Wan, Wan-y. Um, Yeah. I uh. See the but it's when...
1: a fun movie. It's not gonna you know. It's not gonna. You know, it's not going to change your life, and it's the it it, it it I still it's still not as good as Fast Five, which is the best one, but it's a fun movie.
0: See, the the thing with me is that I've only seen as far as that franchise. I've only seen part one. I love part one, and part two. I hate part two. So after that, I was kind of iffy on 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 the whole thing. Even even after hearing about how Fast Five and Fast Six were awesome, but uh it's like. With with that hype, I kind of want to go back and revisit all the films before going into this new one. So I haven't really had time to do that. Now I did, from what I understand, Tokyo Drift is said right before this one, as far as like the film's timeline. I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what
1: I heard. The Tokyo Drift is kind of an oddity because it takes place. So here's how the, the the chronology works. It's Fast and Furious one, two Fast Two Furious, then Fast and Furious four, Fast Five. Fast Six, then Tokyo Drift, then this one. So even though Tokyo Drift is the third one in the chronology, they it's it's the it's it's right before this one.
0: So I should probably watch that then before Fury Seven. You don't
1: need to. I've I've never seen uh, I've never really seen three or or two. Uh, I'm sorry, I've never seen three or four, and I got it. it it's fine. This okay. is not rocket science, dude. You'll pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> I start mean, with fast five if you just start with fa- if you just start with fast five and watch those through you'll you'll be fine by the way i'm reading up on um on this film, and i didn't realize this. I assumed that the car plane sequence was c g i but it was a practical stunt. They took a impressive. plane up in the air and they dropped fucking cars out of it that is Incredibly impressive.
0: Yep, I got it.
1: And they mounted cameras onto the cars. Sorry, I'm <laughs> reading about this right now as we, as we, as we. As we, as we were. You know what? That that is mad respect right here for them. Not. Let's see, Only 10% of the action sequences in the film were computer generated, and even then, 10%. much of the CGI. And even then, much of the CGI was employed simply to erase the wires and other contraptions that were used to film the cars and drivers and to add background. Huh. That is impressive. That is incredibly impressive.
0: That's pretty awesome. In fact, I might watch this movie right after we we hang up. I'll probably dig up the studio. I'm sure I have studio copies sitting here for months that haven't been
1: touched. The only CG CG that seems to be, that that looks like it was used for the plane sequence was whenever the actors are inside the car and they can see outside of the car. That was green screen. Everything else, they actually just dropped the cars out of the goddamn plane. That's,
0: <laughs> Sounds expensive. That's
1: actually incredibly impressive, and my hats are off to the Fast and Furious producers. That is, I can't even... I actually just assumed that was CGI. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah,
0: Bravo And James expensive. Was... So yeah, Bravo. Bravo, Wani, and Bravo, everybody involved in making that happen.
1: You deserved every bit of that 1.49 million, billion dollars. <laughs> so far, still beating the Avengers, actually, I think.
0: Oh Well, I mean, it, it may not be like that for long, though. I mean, Avengers only been like a, a couple of weeks, not a couple of weeks, about a month, I should say, at this point.
1: Well, I'm going to look it up right now, where, where, where Avengers is at. Uh, but Furious 7, 1.4 billion. That's impressive. And you have got, uh, let's see. Avengers Age of Ultron box office it is at uh 1.159 wow in 3 weeks
0: that's that's crazy all right
1: <laughs> all right uh, now we, can, we know but furious 7 um it's it's definitely worth a watch especially if you enjoyed the campiness of fast 5 and fast 6 um if you've never seen the if you've never seen the series um the only thing that you would get out of watching the entire series is the uh, camaraderie aspect of Diesel and Walker's characters. But um, if you're just looking for just action and thrills, you don't need to see one through four to understand anything. You can start with five. It, you really can just start with five.
0: Nice. So it's kind of like Mad Max in a way, where I, I don't like watching Fury Road. I don't think you really needed to see the other three.
1: Uh, it. yes and no, because Mad Max is a self-contained story. Um yeah. But it's but whereas Furious Seven, you, you do kind of have to. There is stuff that they it does go in chronological order, and there is stuff that you that references other movies. However, they do a good job of explaining what happened in the other movies that you don't need to see them. Like it's not rocket science.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay, I d- definitely look forward to checking this out soon. It's kind of like, just like the, the Cinephile me just wants to go back anyway and watch all the other ones like In Order and all that. So that's just, that's just the me thing. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see when I get to see it. But uh, I'm going to read from everybody that said it, from you to, you know, everybody else that I know that's seen it. it it's definitely worth a watch. So I'm definitely going to check that out soon. Um, Now this next film here, I definitely want to get into. It sounds like we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Um, that's it. Follows now. It's funny because I think it came, didn't it come out the same weekend as Furious Seven, or was it the next weekend?
1: Um, I don't know. I know that it got like an early release. I think it actually came out in March, but it got a wider release in April.
0: Right, because I'm pretty sure that because when I was there at the movies, I was I was with a friend of mine, and I was buying the tickets. The movie theater was packed, and I remember it was because it, it was because of Furious Seven that the Theater was packed, so I kind of felt weird that is like all these people in front of me, they're all getting tickets for Fury Seven. And I'm I'm the one schmuck that's like it follows, you know. And when I got into the theater itself, actually, there was only like maybe six people in it, including us. So th- that that kind of tells you. But I mean, with the the hype it got online, the with the Rotten Tomatoes rating, I think it's still at like ninety six percent at this point as of this taping. Um, I mean, there's no way I couldn't have seen it. So just basically just quickly a little plot summary so uh it revolves around a uh, character jay who's a 19 year old girl you know she's hanging out she's having fun with her boyfriend and all that uh, at this point in the movie and then they have sex and after that she kind of finds herself being followed she has this strange visions and this sense of like someone or something is after her is following her so the rest of the movie has to do with you know jay and her friends kind of finding a way to escape with you know this terror i guess kind of following her and getting closer and closer um this was such a fun movie not only because i mean I'm, I'm a cinephile so i got all the little references little horror references that were here but it's like it's just, it's just such it's a, it's a great story it's an original story um i kind of like the timeless it. you're gonna probably talk about that a little bit too how it kind of felt like there was no you didn't know what time period it was because it kind of kept like swerving like they would show like a modern car but yet inside the house it was all these old timey like television and they were watching old timey black and white shows. And they have all this old timey like furniture. So they kinda tried to keep the film timeless, which is kinda what like this story this it's a timeless story. And but the the references here, dude. I mean you have freaking obviously Halloween is referenced in this film, it's just from the shots of the whole suburban neighborhood and the whole suburban vibe too you kinda get from a I kinda got a blue velvet vibe, you know, David Lynch vibe from that whole thing as well how like it's it's kind of an innocent suburban neighborhood but like you know there's terror that lies you know beneath within the walls of like all these homes you just don't know and uh i got the uh kind of a george romero vibe from the uh the it's i i I don't want to know what else to call it like the demon i guess that would take all these different forms and it would kind of like walk towards them like zombies yeah the curse yeah let's call it the curse um the now to cut off my review to a little, I just want to ask you about this because this was kind of – I didn't see this one online a lot, but this is what I thought of at the beginning. Did you get a Jaws vibe from that first kill? The
1: first kill? No, because, I mean, yeah, she was at the beach, but she wasn't in the water, though. Uh, I don't know if I got a Jaws vibe. I got, I definitely – the first scene, I definitely, like, right away I thought Halloween.
0: Halloween, exactly.
1: Halloween immediately came to mind. Um. And the music, you know, was there. Like this, it was. Oh, this movie. I mean, I I don't. To get into the review, I don't know a little bit, but uh, this movie I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, I loved every every second of this film, and I love that it's. You know, I think it's. You know, I think it's a very, very, very thinly veiled, you know, uh, analogy or metaphor for you know sexually transmitted diseases, right? Because every time, you know, in the sense that you think, you know, you think you're safe, but you're never truly safe, you know, that kind of thing. And it always follows you around. Um, but I, I thought that this movie, I don't think I was ever, uh, scared. Like, like when I was watching the conjuring for the first time, I like, there were moments that I was actually terrified in the theater. Um, When I was watching this, I wasn't necessarily terrified or scared, but I was just my teeth were on edge. I was creeped the hell out throughout this whole film, and it's funny because I had to go to none of my local theaters were playing it. There was a theater about twenty miles not twenty miles, but uh, twenty minutes away um, from my house that I had to find uh, in a a way in a like a distant suburb, uh, and it was like. Uh, a Thursday night and they were going to take it away the next day because the new movies were coming in and I was afraid it was going to go away uh, and it was like my last opportunity to see it. It was 10 o'clock at night so I got out of there at like uh, 1 in the morning, but here's the creepy part, right? I came into the theater, was the only person in that theater on a 10 o'clock on a Thursday night, right? Nice. Perfect setting for a horror movie to watch and so I was creeped out so that, there's only two there's two good ways to watch a horror movie, right? It's either in a theater jammed full of people to get all the people screaming and stuff, or it's completely by yourself, like without anybody else around. Those are the two best scenarios to watch a horror movie. So I was in that I was in the latter category completely by myself, nobody else around. You know, the movie ends, credits go up, lights come up, I'm like, Oh, that was good. I get up and I just you know and I was like in the middle row, you know, I get up and then I just kind of Glanced at the back of the, the theater, and there's just this fucking dude just sitting there, all silent and creepy looking, just staring <laughs> straight ahead. I was like, "Holy crap, what the hell?" And I got, I booked it out of there, man. Like I, I'm not I I'm not into like you know I don't believe in any like supernatural stuff, but once you're in that frame of mind at that specific moment, you your mind is just like, "Whoa, dude, get out, get out, get out." And because what bothers me is. I didn't see that guy come in, and there's only one entrance. So when did he get – and he was not there when I got in there, man. And, free, and then I get out into the, the, <laughs> the, the, the parking lot. I'm the, I'm the last car in the parking lot, and That's it was terrible. one of those theaters where like – I'm not sure if you've ever been in one of those theaters. Like some theaters do this where like whenever it's uh, AMC, – I've been – like a couple AMCs around here do it whenever like late movies are getting out they just start shutting all the lights off in the theater and like in like the lobby and everything. They just have like one door open unlocked so you can get out. So like I'm walking through this empty, like dark theater trying to get back to my car. I'm the only freaking car in the entire parking lot. And I'm like, this dude is still in the theater. I got to get out of here. It was like (laughs) the creepiest, probably the creepiest Experience I've had going to see a horror movie in my entire life. It was so freaking unnerving, and I don't per- even believe perfect, like, what's that? It was perfect though. I know, but I don't believe in stuff like that. But like, I look back on it now, I'm like, that was ridiculous. But it still, it was such a perfect like. That's how that's the effect the film had on me is that it like creeped me out to such a level that I was like on edge afterwards. Um, so like I said, it's not like scary. It's scary, but it's not scary. it's just more it's just like a slow it's 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 like a slow dread throughout the film as opposed to like a boo scare you know yeah,
0: yeah. i agree uh, and, well, i mean with, with as far as myself goes it was more I was marking out every other scene i was 'cause I was getting all the references, so that it, yeah. it wasn't so much I was scared, although there was some you know good you no know, scare scenes it's just i was just marking out the entire time
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's good for that too like if you're if you're into definitely plays homage to a lot of a lot of horror movies um do you think that the the filmmaker so like a lot of you know 80s movies especially are kind of morality tales and like you know they they talk about it in the movie scream where you can't have sex if you have sex you die right um do you think it's kind of like that do you think it's it's a morality tale about having sex or not
0: um it's kind of interesting you say that only because i was reading i was doing some research on the film you know kind of get ready for this show and uh david robert mitchell the director he said he conceived the film based on recurring dreams he was having in his he had i should say in his youth and it's basically like this whole anxiety thing about how it's it's this nightmare that he can't get out of there's like there's no escaping it so he kind of wanted to put that into onto film and that's how he kind of came up with the the idea of the story but it also it works as a cautionary tale too. In fact, I've read a lot of analysis saying it's it, that it basically is a cautionary tale about you know STDs and AIDS and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I
1: don't think it, yeah I don't think it was a, a a morality tale, but it's I don't know I could see how maybe some people thought it might be, but I I really enjoyed the film. I I did like the i love the fact that the monster, for lack of a better term is not something you can immediately spot right right it's and you know what the movie the movie messes with you several times um there's a couple of times throughout the film uh where you know after they go so that one scene where they they find the 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 guy who originally gave it to her and um they're in his yard and then he's like do you guys see that girl do you guys see that girl you know and then it turns out it's just a random passerby right um, but you saw her like a minute or two beforehand, way in the background, walking towards them. And the movie doesn't like start like building up like suspense, like it with, with music or, or sound or anything. You just see the person walking, walking towards you. And sometimes that is a threat and other times it's not. And there were a couple of times where like they caught the camera, you know, they had the camera stationary in one spot and you just saw something walk into the camera way up in the distance yeah. and sometimes it never amounted to anything but some and, and sometimes it did so that and that's what i loved about it it was just like you were constantly searching the frame for it you know and and that's what i liked about the about the the monster is that you couldn't necessarily always tell what it was going to be
0: yeah that, that i mean that that was that was basically the whole thing like it, it, it could have been anything which is why you know there's a lot of different interpretation about what what it was or what it stands for but I mean as far as the uh as far as the rest of the film goes just real quick um it kind of took like this popular trope which is you know kind of death by sex as it's put on TV tropes and uh, kind of formed a, a, a story around it that was to me it, it, it was old but it was new like it, it was very like you know, we've seen it in different horror films over the years, but it just felt fresh. Just the way it was executed, just everything about it just felt fresh. Um, It, it was great performances, too. I mean, no, nothing over the top great, but, I mean, it, it was great for, for, for this film. And uh, what did you think – now, let's get into a little bit of spoiler territory. So if you don't want to know, fast forward this part. But what's what did you think of the ending? Because, in my opinion, just seeing them just, like, holding hands and just walking – and then the film cutting off after that. It was basically, to me, it felt like they are just accepting their fate. They realized there's no way they could escape it. And uh, they just basically accepted whatever would happen to them.
1: No, I loved it because, as I was saying before, you saw someone walking towards them.
0: That's true. That's true. So
1: that That's why I liked it. And, and it was very subtle. You don't know if they actually defeated it or if they are just accepting their fate and waiting for it to come. So... It's,
0: and that's the thing. Yeah, and you don't, it
1: because... know if the, if you don't know if the thing that was walking towards him was innocent or if it was the curse. And that's what I liked about it.
0: And that's because the thing, too, it about it. too. very Be- subtle. Yeah, because it's like, if you remember, so the thing about this, like, kind of the, throughout the whole movie, you see, like, Paul is trying to get with her. He's kind of jealous that she's with somebody else. And then, you know, he. he and realizing that this thing's after her and he knows why this is after her, he still willingly has sex with her and you know, she passes it on to him. So that was basically like the ultimate, okay, we're in this together, I don't care, you know, what this is, I don't care what's gonna happen to us, but we I wanna be in this with her. I like I, didn't, said very... I didn't read it like
1: I didn't read it like that. I, I read it as like that guy is just so skeevy, he's willing to have sex with her any way he can.
0: That's normally what I would have said. I was thinking that, too. But then just that last scene with them together, just it was yeah, like, you know. Got,
1: yeah, I, I think she eventually just I think she she eventually accepts him because, um, well, he's willing to do this, even if it's for stupid reasons. At least I'm not going to be alone. But I but I don't think she respects him. Like, I, I don't think the audience is meant to respect him. I certainly don't respect him. Because he is such a... Um, he is so friend-zoned, to, for lack of a better term. <laughs> for lack of a better term. He's so friend-zoned that he's willing to do anything to get out of that friend-zone that he's willing to die. And that, to me, is such a poor character choice. I'm not saying character choice like it's poorly written, but like a, as a person, that is a poor yeah. character trait in a person, that like I'd, lo- I'd, I'd lose so much respect for that guy. And... Like I don't think he's being heroic. I just think he's being uh, he just wants to have sex, and he wants to have sex with her, and he's willing to—he's willing
0: he to doesn't care. The
1: dice. If he has to deal with uh, this the
0: rest of his life.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's out of love. I think or or, or heroics. I think it's out of I I want to have this, so I want to I'm going to take it however I can. And, yeah. and 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 so when they're holding hands at the end, that's him like I got the girl I wanted, and, but I think that's her going. It's uh, it's I'm gonna take what I can get.
0: <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I mean, I I read it differently. Maybe I just have to rewatch it again. But I mean,
1: you know. But I did love I did love the fact that there was just very very subtly there was just something walking towards him in the back.
0: Yes, that's
1: that, that's why that's what I liked so much about it.
0: That was awesome. I I just I, you know after that movie, I mean, I was glad my friend liked it because, um, she kind of wanted to see Furious Seven, but I kind of held over her head that well. You made me sit through Hot Tub Time Machine too, so you kind of owe me one. So that was that was good enough, and I mean, we talked about it on the on the whole way home, like just what our thoughts were different interpretations. So this is one of those films that, you know, is going to get people talking after the movie, just what they think it means. Cause everybody has different ways of seeing it, which is I think is, is great. I, that's what every movie should be, I think. But, um, do you think it's for everybody?
1: Um, what do you mean?
0: As far as like just a film, like it's something like anybody could go into and and enjoy for the most part.
1: Uh I think a lot of people would find it uh well, fun but um but if you're not going to be into horror I mean the horror movies are kind of if you're into horror I think you definitely need to check it out. Uh for everybody if you're not into horror I wouldn't recommend it cuz you're not going to like any horror movie.
0: And the thing about this ho- is this ho- this too is guess like I mean horror film today is usually defined at, I'm I'm I don't like calling it this, but, I mean, a lot of the horror films today are basically torture porn. This isn't that. This is, like, genuine horror, which is what's good about
1: it. it it's not even – it's not really that gory. They're, exactly. The first kill – the first kill is pretty gory.
0: That's, like, the um, only one, I think.
1: I'm trying to think is – when the one dude gets killed. It wasn't that uh, graphic, though. It wasn't, like, gory or anything, but it was just It was just, it was just weird. Shocking. Yeah, exactly. It was weird. And I actually kind of wish I hadn't seen it. That is one criticism I have. I wish I hadn't seen that death. Like not that I didn't want the character to die. It's fine that he died, but I didn't need to like I wish it would have just cuz you know me, I'm all about subtlety, right? So like uh I'm the guy who didn't want to see Bruce Wayne at the end of Dark Knight Rises, right? Uh so like I uh, so I wanted it, I would have preferred that scene where he's dying where you know she walks into the room and then she sees like that woman oozing stuff on him or whatever yeah. I would have preferred if like you just saw her reaction and a horrified look on her face and then ran out and then you saw the other the, then you saw the woman walking after her I would have preferred that because that then you have in your own mind like you, you create the image in your own mind what she could possibly be doing to him right yeah. so I didn't need to see it Um, that's my that's my one criticism of the film is that um, it just, that bothered me. Uh, the other criticism I have of the film is that the rules are not necessarily super clear because, you know, you can get, you, you get rid of it by having sex with someone, but if they don't get rid of it, then it comes back to you. And it's like that. I I think they could have done without that aspect of it. I think it would have been much more effective. If it's like you, you have sex with someone and then you get rid of it and then that's it. like, uh.
0: I mean that was kind of like the whole thing where like they did it. I think because it was like basically it's it's weird because it was like it's it kind of goes back to the whole cautionary tale thing. It kind of once you get it, it kind of encourages you to have sex with as many people as possible so that it moves you further up the chain. That way, um, there's more people that it has to go through to come back to you. So it's one of those things where it's like I mean you could pass it on, but you could never truly get rid of it.
1: I, I get that, but it's it's it all it made it a little more like it made the rules a little more complicated than I I don't think they need to be. I guess that's my point. Okay. Uh, but overall, like I, I did really enjoy the film. Uh, except for those two points, I I, I really wish I would have. I'm much more of the uh create the scenario in your imagination than actually show it to you. You know, as I said, I yeah. much. If at the end of Dark Knight Rises you just saw Alfred nodding off camera and then something off camera and then you not actually seeing what it was, you know, I would have preferred that. That's why I love the end of Inception so much because at the end of Inception the camera cuts right before you see anything happen to that, that totem, like yeah. you don't know if it falls or if it keeps going. So and, and like I love like movies that keep you guessing or keep you thinking. So I would have preferred if that scene had been left to my imagination other than that though it's it, it was a fantastic movie
0: oh i agree and i feel like if you're into horror movies definitely check it out if you're a horror movie mark you owe it to yourself to see this but as far as anybody else i think you can still have fun with it even if you're not into horror movies because it's not really gory i mean you'll still get definitely get enjoyment out of it it's a great story um definitely i, I definitely recommend it
1: definitely check it now out what what's funny is that um so, I, I found an article about uh, it's a BuzzFeed article of all places, but uh, it's a. Um, the writer was contacted David Robert Mitchell and kind of presented different fan theories to see if you could get rid of it in certain ways. So, basically, he shot most of them down, but in case you're wondering, uh, some of them throw out there like getting on a plane, hopefully somewhere far away, like Australia. Um, no, that won't work because. It would just take it longer to get there, but it will eventually get there. Exactly. Uh, The other one, boarding a boat, maybe getting work on a cruise ship. Uh, He says, uh, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, I've had people ask me about going into space or getting on a submarine. Uh, I think they're hilarious. love that people are thinking about it, but it's really the same answer. Anywhere you go, it can also go. It could get to you. You might escape for long periods of time if you plan just perfectly, but it'd be very easy to screw up. If you have to live on the run, though, a cruise ship might be a nice place to do that. He says, I don't think there's a place on the planet that a person could get to that this couldn't find a way to reach. If people want to live in a submarine or hang out in space, they can try, but I have a feeling it's going to get them there. Uh, Locking yourself in a bunker, uh, he says, would probably do something that I would try to do if I had access to a place like that. I don't know if if anybody who has, if you had another way out of it. If it wasn't just one entrance, then it might not be bad to at least try to figure out what you're going to do next. Uh, participating in a massive orgy he uh, <laughs> says, even if there were hundreds of people between you and it, if you're talking about the most insane orgy ever imagined, unless everybody understood what, what is actually happening, that they would be haunted by this thing. You'd have a lot of people being killed very quickly, and it would get back to you. A lot of these things are either too expensive or not kind. Uh, <laughs> keeping same-sex hookups Uh, It will follow anyone if its sex accounts. The monster will not discriminate in regards to sex, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. The monster will follow you. Uh, Using protection? Condoms do not help. The answer is no there. Uh, And abstinence. Abstinence is pretty much the only way to get rid of it. Or or, or abstinence is the only way to just not get it. And he says, but how terrible is that? I wouldn't advocate for that either. That just sounds rough.
0: Yeah, I mean, if that's the only way, that's, that's kind of a raw deal there. But
1: yeah, so it's a it's a fun movie. Um, uh, I I definitely recommend it. it. It's 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 a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Definitely check this out. I mean, it's out of theaters uh, obviously by this point, but I'm sure it'll make its way onto the on demand, Redbox, all those. Super- it is
1: on the if it's on demand. Yeah, let me let me look. I'm gonna look at uh, Amazon here. You know what is on demand? Um, and we should re- maybe we should look into reviewing it. Is um. Uh, Kingsman.
0: Kingsman, that's right. I def, I do want to go back and revisit that. Absolutely.
1: So, uh, maybe we should. Uh, maybe I'll look into renting that. But that's definitely on demand. All right, that's I can't happening. find it right now. So.
0: All right, <laughs> so, but so w- whenever it does go to on demand or Redbox, definitely check it out because it's it's pretty great, especially if you're a horror movie mark. You're you're gonna mark out like I did every other scene. So our next. And uh, film... by the
1: way, I bought the I bought the soundtrack on iTunes, and it's awesome.
0: Yes, that, I, that, that score, I, I love that synth pop score. A, any synth pop, I usually pop for, whether it's Drive, whether it's Maniac. I just love, I love that, I love that sound. And it, and for horror movies, it usually works perfectly. So, I mean, I, I wanted to get the, uh, the vinyl that Mondo put out, but, you know, I'm kind of strapped for cash right now, so. I mean, maybe one day, I'll probably get it on eBay, but for now, I'm just gonna, I'll just not have it. Um, I... Well, to move on now to our next film, uh, this is one that I went to see out of, you know, hearing good word of mouth, and uh, I end up end up really liking this, and that's Ex Machina. So, Adolf, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. Uh, tell us about Ex Machina.
1: Uh, Ex Machina tells a story of uh, Caleb, who's a uh, programmer, and he's working for this company. It's basically Google, but it's not Google. They call it something else. Uh, they call it Blue Book, but it's kind of – it seems like it's a – combination of like google and facebook like just a a super massive uh corporation that uh, software you know corporation um he wins a contest to go out and meet the very reclusive steve jobs-esque uh leader of google ceo or sorry blue book uh named nathan in this uh very out of the way, mountain, futuristic mountain resort that nobody else has access to. So uh, Nathan is played by Oscar Isaac, uh, and uh, Caleb is played by uh, Dominal Gleason, uh, and he's there essentially to perform the uh, touring test on a artificial intelligence uh, named, uh, robot essentially named Ava. Uh, and as the film progresses, uh, he starts to develop you know uh, a relationship with Ava and you start to wonder who is playing who in this kind of chess game of of what's going on because at first you know it seems like Nathan is not really all he's not telling Caleb exactly everything that's happening here uh, and it's uh, it's kind of like a it's pretty much a three person movie uh, with you trying to figure out the motivations of each person uh, or robot involved. That is all I can say without going too much into spoilers. Um, obviously, when we're dealing with AI and robots, it is a sci-fi movie. Uh, and it's it's a very, very intelligent kind of sci-fi. There's no lasers and, and explosions and stuff like that. It's, it's more about discussions and, and conversations. But there are a lot of kind of Twist and turns going on here i don't know do you want to get into spoilers with this because it's, it's a little hard to dance around some of this stuff
0: uh yeah sure so okay people so this is another spoiler review so if you don't want to hear what comes next after this fast forward see the film and come back to it pretty much agree with what you said definitely a very intelligent sci-fi film um i love the whole concept of how basically it's pretty much blurring the lines between humanity and AI. That's basically the whole thing, like, you know, um, uh, Caleb is trying to determine... He's using the Turing test, which, you don't know the Turing test, that was brought up actually in Imitation Game. Um, using the Turing test to see, you ask whether or not the uh, computer is human or not. However, we at this point, we know, you know, Ava is AI, essentially, so it's basically seeing if she has consciousness enough that Caleb can relate to it. And they build this rapport with each other and i just love the interaction between these two because like it kind of gets more and more personal each time and it's just it's that's where it really starts to blur the line and kind of pull the story in the direction it wants to go and it's just a fascinating to watch and uh domino gleason oscar isaac were great together i mean i love both these actors you're gonna see i think they're both in star wars aren't they
1: they are both in Star Wars. Actually.
0: There you go. That's going to be awesome bro, to see them as different characters. But here, it, based, it was just them two and Ava, I think, were the only characters in, in this movie. And it's just they, they, they carry the whole thing on their shoulders. And it's, it's, they, they make it work. And it's, it's awesome. Great performances. I mean, Ava, I think Alicia Vikander, if I'm saying her name correctly, she was superb as Ava. And it's just, just a great story. Now, what do you think of the ending?
1: Oh, I absolutely loved the. I loved it too,
0: but it's like you know, I mean, what a bitch this Ava is. But it's like you know what she's doing. What she. I I
1: read that differently. I did that differently. She is not a bitch. She is a survivor. She had to do what she had to do to survive. And I completely and totally respect that choice. I love that ending. And I love that she worked the entire situation like. This movie, you know, what were we, I think it was Gone Girl when we talked about, like, that that movie worked us. This movie worked me, man. Because I thought, like, the whole time I was like, I thought, when I thought I knew the direction this movie was going, like, they said, nope, we're not going that way.
0: That was like, me too.
1: Absolutely. Like, you know, the the one part where I was like, you know, I wonder if it's going to turn out that Caleb is a robot. And then, like, we see him, like, starting to slice his face up. I'm like, whoa, guess that's not it. Uh, and then there's another part, you know, I, I'm not going to get into all my theories, but um, the very end when she's, you know, whenever, you know, she, you know. All right. Again, massive spoilers here. You should not be listening to this unless you've already watched the movie. This At this point, you should just be listening to uh, the discussion of people who have watched the movie and you've also watched the movie. But uh, that's so again, massive spoilers. Yeah. Whatever, yeah at this point, know, if you
0: haven't seen it, go listen to the Mad Max review next. There you
1: go. Right. So, uh, so whenever Ava kills Nathan and she goes up and starts, you know, and I'm like, okay, so now her and Caleb are going to leave. And and then she's yep. like, no, okay, wait here. And then she starts putting on like the skin from the other robots. And I thought to myself, that's when I thought to myself, I was like, oh, damn it. This movie was going so well. It's going to go for the predictable finish. I was like. There she is. She's going to get all pretty for the boy. And now she's going to get pretty for the boy. And they're going to go off and live happily ever after. Okay. I I mean, I guess I like the movie, but like this, this, I don't like this ending. And then she just leaves him. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, that's amazing. I totally didn't see that coming. I totally got work because they spent a lot of time lovingly like filming her put the stuff on and making herself look good like to the point where i was like she's doing this for him and to the point where like the filmmaker wanted you to think that the filmmaker wanted you to believe that she that she loved him that she wanted to be in a relationship with him and when it turned out that she was just working him the same way she was working nathan I could not have been happier That's the ending that they went with. Like, I know you say she's a bitch, but no, man. She's a survivor. I
0: I, I was happy with the. I was thrilled.
1: She's the next step in evolution, and she is surviving. That is what she's doing. That was amazing. That was an amazing ending.
0: I absolutely love the ending because, like you, I was – see, I was purposely trying to stay one step ahead of the movie. I'm like, okay, so this is uh, going to happen here, and this is going to happen there. Okay, I mean, it's a pretty good movie, I guess. And then, like you said, the scene where she's, you know, putting on the skin from the other robots, getting pretty. I'm like, okay, so now she's going to set him free, and then they're going to go off together. And then she fucking leaves him like a bitch, bro. I'm like, oh my god, this this guy got played out by a robot.
1: This guy got
0: played out. I was only upset, as far as the ending, I was only upset that she didn't pick bigger tits. Because she could have worked some other people.
1: Oh, you pig.
0: <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, though. Great ending. Absolutely, I, I was I was on my feet at that point. I was probably the only one because I was just so like taken aback by it, and I was just so happy that I got something that I wasn't expecting. That you know something like that when when filmmakers and films surprise me like that, I just get so happy. I just get so surprised because I got work. I like getting worked with movies because that's how I want to be. I don't want to be able to predict everything, and I got work, and I was so happy <laughs> that I was I was on my feet and, and when the credits were rolling. I I was the only one, but I didn't care. I was just so happy. But again, like you know, great performances, great special effects here, everything looked great. Um, just incredible, just incredible. People should go out and see this. It's just a great movie.
1: This was um absolutely my so far my number one film of the year. Um, it is to me a perfect five stars. Uh, and I I I, I want to like see it again to, to see if that if that rating holds up. But to me, this is a perfect film, absolutely perfect from beginning to end. Um, and it is my number one film of the year so far. It's my favorite movie of the year. Um, I cannot wait to see this film again. It's not in theaters anymore, and it's not uh, available to buy yet, Uh, but it is going to be a very quick purchase for me. Um,
0: July 14th, I think it comes out.
1: Okay. I I hope... um, I I cannot imagine a scenario right now where this doesn't at least end up in my top ten, but right now this is my my favorite movie of the year so far. Uh, it, it is absolutely, if you've seen, if you are into sci-fi, this is the best and smartest kind of sci-fi there is.
0: You know what? I, and I by have... the
1: way, we, sorry, we have not gone into too much detail about the act. And we did touch on a little bit, but seriously, Oscar Isaac was, I love Oscar Isaac. I, I think he's the new, he's the new guy right? He's, yeah. like, the guy that they're putting into, into everything, right? Since Drive, he, bro, I loved him. Yeah, he's starting to blow up, right? And he was so good in this movie. He was, at times, simultaneously, I want to hang out with this guy, and also, I don't want anything to do with this guy. Like, he yeah. he played, he did that, like like, he was such, he was, like, because he he didn't play the typical nerd right he wasn't like the typical computer nerd he was a jock right he was like a jock that's a genius he wanted to sit there and like drink beers and like talk about pussy and fucking and but then he was also this like freaking crazy genius and I loved that guy and but he was he had a, that that sinister edge to him but he was also someone you wanted to have a beer with and it, But he's also someone you couldn't trust. And he played all those different facets of that character perfectly. The best performance, I think, clearly uh, was Ava. Um, uh, what's her name? Elisa uh, Vikander?
0: Yeah, that's how I said it
1: too. Um, because throughout the... She had the toughest job in the film. Because she had to portray not only a robot, but she had to portray a robot that seemingly gained emotions throughout the film. And her emotions were so subtle that they were they were beautiful in their subtlety. Like they were so subtle, but they were so powerful because of that subtlety, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um i i just love this movie. Like I, I I can't rave enough about this film. I want to watch it again. Um Me too. to see if my five star review holds up. But right now it's my 1st five-star movie of the year and it is absolutely perfect to me
0: usually whenever i uh i see a movie like this and there's uh, a mondo poster that comes out i always go out of my way to buy it right after i saw this movie i didn't care how much i well, I, I did care but i saw it on ebay for a reasonable price considering that these things go for a lot on second hand on ebay and i scooped it right up and right now it is hanging in my room on my wall i usually rotate the posters at like Month to two months uh, and uh, right now i have X machina up i have the new back to the future part two up and i have platoon up along with the regular ones that are going to stay there that's uh, godfather scarface and gravity unless i find another one to replace gravity but for now X machina is up because i i just got it so i rotated it the X machina back to the future two and platoon are the ones up as, as far as the other poster right now and i have the dark knight one up too that i just rotated out for a teenage Mutant ninja turtles so I mean as soon as I saw this movie I had to scoop up that that poster and I did I'm gonna send it to you now actually I don't know if you, I've sent it to you before but I'm sending it to you now so you can see what it looks like got it from uh, one of the websites but uh definitely great movie I encourage everybody to check it out it's such a smart film such a well-acted film and uh, yeah I mean at, I mean at this point if you're listening to this you've seen it already so there's we don't need to encourage you anymore but see it again because it's just it's just awesome
1: yeah, it is an absolutely amazing film. Uh, it is a, an absolute piece of art. And I, I'm i in love with this movie. I'm in love with this movie like, like Caleb was in love with Ava. <laughs> nice. And it is really, seriously, it is such a... The film... I love that the film completely subverts all your expectations throughout the entire thing. Like, I just... I didn't know... Like, I honestly... Thought I always knew. I always tried to stay a step ahead of it, and I wasn't even trying to. It would just kind of happen, like it's, in, it's instinct with, with yeah, sci-fi point. tropes, you know, yeah. I was trying to stay ahead of it, and then it would completely take me in a different direction. The only thing that I called for sure was that the one like Asian lady was definitely was a
0: robot. Yes,
1: like that's yes. the only one I called for sure. Everything else, I was like, mm, I I don't know what's going on.
0: I here. just I was just about to bring that up because I was like, you know, they kind of started me on the path that it was going to be predictable because I saw the Asian lady come in. I'm like, I bet you she's a robot. It turns out she was I'm like, Oh, okay. I knew it. So it was kind of starting me already on that whole path. Like, okay, this is, I'm going to be able to pretty much call everything that come, that comes after this. And I, I got worked and I was happy about it.
1: <laughs> but yeah. We yeah, it. It, it, yeah. It's such a piece of art. I love I Can't
0: talk film. about it enough. Definitely. If you, uh, if you've seen it already, if you're listening to this, you've seen it already, see it again and see it again. Get the blu-ray. Because it's just incredible. It's a great movie. But uh, speaking of art, but like a, I would say different form of art, I would call this. um, We get to our main event film of this episode, and that's the uh, Mad Max Fury Road. The film to beat this summer. Currently stands at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Probably the best reviewed film, one of the best reviewed films of the year, along with Ex Machina, along with It Follows. I think that all three of these films are in the 90s at this point, which is which is amazing. and Well, it's definitely the
1: best-reviewed film of the summer so far.
0: It, one of the best of the year. Absolutely one of the best of the year. What else can I say about it? It's just... Uh, kind of give you a little plot summary. Um, Max, this time played by Tom Hardy. Um, and he kind of gets captured by this group called the War Boys. Who are kind of like these... I mean, all these groups in the Mad Max films are, are, are we- have their own weirdness and wackiness to them. This is no different. They're basically like they're very pale or I guess... They paint themselves pale, like bald guys, you know, with these weird trucks. <laughs> so he gets captured, and um, right after that, they're kind of led by this immortal Joe uh, leader who's, you know, he kind of was holding water from everybody, kind of, he controls all the water, keeps it to himself, and he releases it to the people, pr- pretty much at his leisure. And all of a sudden, the film kind of takes up when uh, Charlize Stern's character, uh, uh, Furiosa, kind of steals the, the women that are used in the compound or the, or the, the land, I should say, for, for breeding. He kind of steals his wives. And then it basically becomes a road movie where she's trying to get away from them. They're chasing her down. And it's just back and forth with them the entire time. But I got to tell you, what a fun movie. What an absolutely fun movie. This is one of those movies that, you know, it's, you know, it has all, the wacky special effects. are great. It has, you know, the wacky characters, which is also great. But it's just nonstop thrills. There's really no, no kind of stopping the pace that this movie goes and there's, there's a couple of spots to give you a rest, but it's just, for the most part, it's nonstop wackiness. I mean, think about it. This is the only film I've ever seen where there's a character here where his only job in the movie is to play a flaming guitar on top of a truck. Like, it can't get any wackier than that.
1: It's just... I'm telling you, brother. Flaming this, podcasts.
0: Flaming that's podcast. That. That, 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 that's the guy's only job in that group is to play a flaming guitar. That's the wackiest. I, I, every time I saw my pops because that was just so wacky out of left field that I, I, I loved it. I, I loved everything about this. Just everything is great. And for those people that are saying this is a feminist movie or that guy shouldn't see it, fuck you. You're a fucking asshole. Everybody should see this movie.
1: Yeah, so this, uh, this film is to me a – Action work of art. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, I said this before, but whenever I heard they were going to make a new Mad Max movie without Mel Gibson, uh, you know, and updated and and all this other stuff, and I was like, I was very, I I had the same reaction I have to the Blade Runner uh, sequel. Like, I'm just not... I'm not into that. I was not into the idea. I was whatever. And then when I saw that first trailer, I was like, okay, you got me. I'm on board. I'll watch this thing. And then even then I, 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 I was still kinda had my doubts and then I saw that Rotten Tomato score at, and the day I went to see it was at ninety nine percent. So there's there's a contrarian out there somewhere yeah, that definitely. comes down to ninety eight. So, uh, it was, it was at 99% whenever I, I saw the, the, uh, and I did a double take. I was like, how was that even possible? I was like, then my, then my expectations got really high. I was like, all right, there's no way my expectations are going to get there. Um, but not only did my, it meet my expectations, it freaking, it freaking blew them up. Like with, like one of the many cars that got destroyed throughout this film. Uh, I don't even know where to begin, but the action is absolutely—it's one long action sequence. Like you said, there's a couple moments of rest, but it's basically a two-hour chase scene. From the moment they leave the the, the what's that town called—the the town with the like
0: gas town or something—I think gas
1: town. Like From the moment they leave gas town to the moment they get back to gas town, it's one long chase sequence, and it's an amazing chase sequence. And there's wacky characters. There's Grizzly deaths. There's amazing stunts. There's awesome explosion. There's just everything that you can possibly imagine in this movie is in this film. Um, w- Tom Hardy loved him as Max. Loved the fact that he didn't say barely anything. That's exactly how Max should be. Uh, Furiosa. Charlize Theron is Furiosa. Uh, if I wasn't already married, I'd want her to marry me. Uh, she, <laughs> Charlize Theron is. On top of being an amazing actress, right, and on top of being just absolutely gorgeous, I mean I said it before when we reviewed Snow White and the Huntsman, there is no world in which Kristen Stewart is more fairer than Charlize Theron. Absolutely no world. Um, But not only is she gorgeous, but she in this film is such a badass that when my daughter can handle the levels of violence that is in this film, I want her to sit down and watch this film. Because she is awesome in this movie, um, and it's just such an exciting, fun, crazy ball to the wall action romp, so crazy that uh, I'm not sure about you, but I am legitimately shocked that uh and I believe it's Warner Brothers, right? Is it warner brothers yeah, that warner the brothers. that released this? That's right um I am legitimately shocked that George Miller got away with this. This is not a mainstream movie. This is nowhere near mainstream. I cannot believe that Warner Brothers said, yeah, go ahead, do that. That, to me, is absolutely shocking. But he did, and we got this amazing freaking movie. And um, I am absolutely in love with this movie, and I want to watch it again. It is... It is now this like before, you know, at the beginning of the summer, I said Avengers is going to be the movie to beat as far as box office, as far, you know, maybe not so, and maybe critical acclaim. Uh, as we saw, the critical acclaim for Avengers was not that high. It was maybe, you know, if you go by Rotten Tomatoes scores, it was like in the 70%, not bad. But uh, Mad Max is not going to get near that $1.4 billion or whatever. Mm-hmm, which is a damn it, shame. It has blown away any competition it has as far as quality goes. This is the film to beat for the movie of the summer as Absolutely far as quality goes. This movie is so much freaking wacky, ridiculous fun. I cannot wait to watch George Miller do another one of these. Did you <laughs> see the 3D that version was so or did you watch regular 2D? I saw it in 3D. Oh, and
0: nice! Because really that that
1: three D was awesome. It was so wack. Three D was three D was pretty good. The three D was pretty good, um, especially at the end whenever like the thing blew like the car blew up at the, yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, it was it's a fantastic movie. Um, it, it, I, I I I there's nothing. Just believe the hype. Just believe the hype. Now, I want to get into quickly about this quote unquote controversy. There were these men's right douchebags.
0: AKA uh, guys with little dicks, but go on. Yeah.
1: You know what these you know what men's right activists are? I'm gonna tell you right now what men's rights activists are. So I know that this is the you know super friends universe that you know that we are affiliated with is the epitome of manliness. So well, I don't
0: Well now nowadays, you know, we're we're kind of we're calling ourselves entertainment. For cool people, so I mean, okay. uh, D was telling me he wanted to get away from the like just being like a, a men thing, and he wanted everybody to come, like men, women. He just wants everybody to enjoy the site, so that's why he kind of renamed it now, entertainment for okay. cool people rather than that. Well,
1: well, before that's before that, we, yeah. that, yeah, that was the kind of the mission statement of the site. Um, now it's not really that anymore, but regardless, I'm not including this within men's rights groups, but men's rights activist groups. Here's what they are. And I, am, I guarantee you I am 100% correct in almost 100% of the cases who, of people who are, call themselves men's right activists. Men's right activists are groups of men, quote-unquote men, who were rejected at some point by some woman somewhere and now are pissed off at women everywhere. Instead of taking the rejection like a man, now they believe they're owed something and now are pissed off at every single woman on the earth. And let me tell you something. If you think that you are a real man because you're part of one of these groups, you're sadly mistaken. Now, these men's rights activists got all pissed off because they feel that, this, that, they, that there are some feminist undertones seeped into their action movie. And you know what? It did. There is some feminist undertones in this film. You've got a strong female badass character trying to save a bunch of women from being sex slaves and they essentially shove it up the guy's ass uh, at the end of the movie. That's that's about it, right? Yeah. Um, apparently, men's rights activists got all upset that there's A, a strong female character, and B, that how dare she liberate a bunch of sex slaves from a man. And also that how dare she, based only on the trailer, mind you, which they didn't even watch the movie, uh, based only on the trailer... Uh, how dare she, a woman, give Mad Max orders? First of all, I don't even remember in- Furiosa ever giving Max orders at any point in the movie. Do you?
0: Nope. Not that I no. can recall. Uh,
1: but, so, so, and secondly, like, they referred to, like, uh, uh they, they referred at one point to, to like, uh, they don't want their feminism, uh, uh, it, you know, bleeding into, like, an American tradition like Mad Max. An American tradition that is really an Australian movie. Way to go, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that was a stupid thing that they got wrong. They called it, you know, an American film when it was actually an Australian film. Dumbass. So,
1: uh, so, here's the thing about this, right? If you were offended by the fact that there was a kick-ass female in this movie, if you feel that your rights as a man have been violated, then I have news for you. You are not a man. You are never a man. And you have no right calling yourself a man. This movie is amazing. This movie is awesome. And it's okay if women like this movie. It's not going to make your dick smaller if women like this movie. That's all. That's my randomness.
0: Um, So I wanted to actually read a quote from from this article that kind of started this whole thing. Uh, I'm not going to give the guy's name because he doesn't deserve the plug. But uh, this is basically part of what he said. He said, "So do yourself." It's a quote. Do yourself. So do yourself and all men across the world a favor. Not only refuse to see the movie, but spread the word as to many to as many men as possible. Most will be taken in by fire, tornadoes, and explosions. Because if they sheepishly attend and Fury Road is a blockbuster, then you, me, and all other men and real women. He put that in parentheses. And real women. In the world, we'll never be able to see a real action movie ever again that doesn't contain some damn political lecture or more about feminism, social justice warrioring, and socialism. Now that just screams like t- little dick to me. It's like, how could you? It's like I can't. I'm speechless. This this sort of thing just leaves me speechless. I can't believe there are people like this that even exist that are allowed to breathe the same air that I breathe. It's it, just...
1: it speaks to it. It speaks to me like. Again, I got rejected by some girl, and now I'm pissed off at women everywhere. I'm mean, serious. That's what, that's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, th- thankfully this isn't really just uh, – like, it, this is really the only controversy of the film. And I, to call it controversy is kind of just kind of putting it a little loosely – I mean not loosely. Kind of over overhyping it a bit is what I want to say. But um, because no, no matter, no matter what, what, the, what these idiots say, this is a great freaking film with a strong female lead – that doesn't bow to the tropes that we've seen in previous action movies. She's independent, you know. She she knows what she wants and she's doing it no matter what. And you know, th- we need more characters like this in movies. And it's not because of her that you know the movie fails to these people. In fact, it's what makes it better. And it's not and it's not just her character that takes the stage. It's just just the whole just the whole aura of the action and the wackiness as it's just one big package that I feel anybody could enjoy.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't I whatever like I, the, these people piss me off. It's like it, they're probably the kind of same kind of guys that wouldn't go see The Hunger Games because it stars a woman, and it's like The Hunger Games is a good franchise regardless of yeah. whether it's a woman or a man. Like it's there's no you know quote unquote like girly stuff in that movie. Like there's a romance subplot, but that's it. But it's it's the most subplot of subplots. Like action drives those films, not romance um but it, it, whatever those guys need to get laid yeah I actually you know what they don't need to get laid they don't deserve to get laid. nobody out there give them any sex yeah, men or women yeah. gay or straight no one give them any Just,
0: sex yeah i agree but let, let's kind of you know get a little more lighthearted here because um i found an article online that's keep you know with the mad max thing that we're still on about the uh, origins of this character who's called Koma the Doof Warrior, which as we described in the or as I described earlier, is the guy whose only role in life is to be the guitar player for this for this gang. And uh, um, there's an interview sh- that was shared over from Movie Pilot where uh, I think the writer kind of talked about the origins of this character, according to Miller. And this is his is his quote, and I quote, I knew that George had said that Koma was found by Immortan Joe in a cave and taken under his wing and he learned to be a musician. I kind of embellished that for myself. Basically, my story was that Koma was found with his mother's head after she had been killed, and he was clinging to it and Immortan Joe came and found him, and Koma took her face off and made the mask out of her face to honor her when he went to war. Now, that's kind of a really... Now, every like I said, this, this whole universe is wacky, and this is just another example of like you know, a wacky backstory for a character that really didn't do much except play a guitar, but it was still one of the most memorable characters in the movie.
1: Yeah, you, he didn't do much, but you remember him. You're, you're going to remember when you, when you, you know, 10 years from now, when someone will bring up, hey man, you ever see Mad Max Fury Road? You're going to think of Mad Max, you're going to think of Charlize Theron, you're going to think of the cool chase sequences, and you're going to think, oh yeah, and the dude playing the guitar that was exploding. You're going to think of that guy.
0: Bro. It, like I guess the best way to describe it, I think this whole is like and Nathan Jones, like, obviously. Oh, Nathan Jones, bro! The, the Colossus of Boggle Row. It <laughs> was in this movie, and he was awesome. Everybody was awesome here. But I guess kind of to cap it, the best way to describe this, and and I put this quote up on Facebook. My friend had a friend and I had a conversation, and he, and he basically told me, bro, this was like watching drugs. That was his. That's his quote. It's like, this movie is basically like watching drugs. Period.
1: It's like being on acid, essentially. Which which goes back to the point: how how was he allowed to make this movie? I'm glad he was allowed to make this movie, but how was he allowed to make this movie? This movie is bonkers, (laughs) man. In the best way possible, it's bonkers.
0: It's probably, and, and I'm not saying this from experience, but it's probably going to be the closest thing to experiencing being on acid without having to take acid. That's probably the that's the door, so I could probably give it to how fun it is. And definitely, it's still in theaters right now. As of this taping, go out of your way to see. You don't have to see it in 3D, but just go out and see it.
1: Yeah, please go it's out and, and awesome. pay money to see it. Pay money to see it and, and give it and make it, pump its box off a little bit more. It, tri- exactly. Because I want to see more of this. Oh, and by the way, a little bit of trivia. A little bit of trivia. A Morton Joe is played by the same actor who played Toe Cutter in the first Mad Max.
0: I, you know what? I, I, I. Somebody told me. I think it was Denon who said that. I, I didn't remember that until now. Yeah, I, I, I he, uh, heard that. And I, that was guy that was trippy for me too. That was awesome actually. But yeah, like like Adolfo said, definitely go out and spend money to see this. Like support it in any way possible because I want to see more Mad Max now. And this is a franchise, bro. This is a franchise that I only caught up on because of this movie. Because. Honestly, when I first saw the trailer, i never seen any Mad Max film at that point. So I was like, eh, it looks kind of stupid. I don't I don't think I, sh- I really want to see it. Then I heard you guys talk about it when we did our summer show. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should actually kind of check out this franchise, see what it's about. So I saw Mad Max. I saw Road Warrior. I saw Beyond Thunderdome. I caught up. And I knew what what to expect going in. I mean, I, uh, Road Warrior. Uh, Draven was right. I, I love Road Warrior. Road Warrior the best one. Yeah, Mad, The first Mad Max is a little slow, but it's still a very, very good film. I, I really enjoyed it. And then Beyond Thunderdome was good too. Just, just the weaker of the three, in my opinion. But
1: Thunderdome so, is, is definitely the weakest one. But it it is still fun in its own it, way. Exactly. You know, like it's it, it's and, and and you and and like it's a fun name, Thunderdome. Thunderdome. You know, it's you know uh, and it, 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 it's and I I reference Thunderdome all the time, like in my daily life, whenever like just people are getting angry at each other. I'm, I'm just like, you gotta take the Thunderdome and people never understand what I'm saying. <laughs> but, um, but it, it, it's, the, it's definitely the weakest of the three, but the road warrior is I've just, I love the road warrior.
0: You know what? I mean, Get I've it. only seen it once. I've only seen both these films, but I think I like Fury Road the best. Oh, well,
1: it's I uh, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's
0: going to be kind of close, fun. I think, but right now at know. this point, having do got I mean, at this point, having only just gotten into being introduced to this franchise because of this movie, and then you know, seeing the first three, liking the first three, and then seeing this one, right now, I think Fury Road's my favorite. I mean, at this point, maybe I gotta go back and watch them again. Now, here's what's funny: um, they are releasing a um anthology set in September when Fury Road comes out on Blu-ray. They're doing you know one, two, three, and four in a set. Now, I did hear that there are plans for a, a fifth film in you know a fifth Mad Max film, So. If that definitely goes through, I definitely do not want to get the anthology because there's going to be another movie, so there'll be no point to it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at, at this point, Fury Road is my favorite. I probably have to go revisit the films again, but that's how I, it stands for, right now for me. But, again, people, go spend the $10 or whatever it is. Go see it support this film because Adolfo and I want to see more. And after you see this, you're going to want to see more.
1: Absolutely. this 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 is such a great, great, great movie. Um, and and even though you watch them in order, you don't need to see them. You don't need to see the first three to watch this one. You really don't. Like you, you can watch it cold. Um, because it, 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 the movie just it throws you into the world, and like it doesn't take a lot to like just figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, because the thing like you
0: were saying with with the uh, Fast and Furious, I mean, there's kind of like um connection, not connection is the wrong word. Basically, like. Each film has a, a story that kind of follows the preceding story, whereas these Mad Max films stand alone as really their own film. There, there's really no, there's really no continuing arc over the three films that you need to follow. Each, yeah, the only
1: one story. that the only one that needs you need like you would if you wanted to watch them in order, the only one you would actually need to not before the actual, but you know what I'm saying? It like it's like the first, it's the first one before he becomes, you know, it's when he loses his family and everything, you know, yeah. like and and that's what kind of turns him into. The max character right yes. um it's like the origin story right um but the other ones you can watch pretty much in any order because they're because the way i like to look at the films is like you can kind of see them in any order and they would still make sense
0: right i agree 100 percent um so that's the, i mean that's our glowing endorsement of mad max fury road but I know as of this recording, I think just a couple days ago, Tomorrowland came out in theaters. I haven't seen it yet. I do have my studio copy. I am going to check it out. But, uh, Adolfo, I know you just recently saw it. So why don't you give us some brief thoughts before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, I'm going to just uh, – we're going to go over it. Uh, since we're, if we're going to do a deeper review of it later, uh, I'm not going to go into too in-depth review now. I uh, will just kind of give some quick thoughts on it. I actually saw it today, uh, this morning, actually. Um, and quick thoughts on the film uh it was a fun movie uh it was you know um, it was definitely a kids film uh, a kid sci-fi film uh and it's definitely a disney film although there is there are stakes people like the bad guys do kill people right um but they're not you know you don't you don't it's just enough for the for you to feel that the hero is in a little bit of danger but you don't never necessarily doubt that the hero will not uh triumph in the end right um uh i like it it does have kind of the the feel of like those old school disney movies like like i i i enjoyed it it's not great but I the fifty percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes I think is a little harsh. Uh like I don't I I, I don't I guess I fall in the fifty percent that liked it as opposed to the fifty percent that didn't like it. But it it's it's not an awesome movie. But it it certainly intrigued me and I would like to see more uh, more films set in this world. I I thought it was very it was a lot of fun and and what I liked about it was that unlike a lot of sci-fi, unlike movies like Mad Max: Fury Road, um, it's not a bleak and depressing movie. It's not a sci. A lot of sci-fi nowadays is about a pessimistic future, and this is a very hopeful future and an optimistic future. And God forbid we make a movie about that, right? Um, and it, it's all about hope and optimism, and that worked for me. So. Um, and I also kind of see it as a comment. The home film is a commentary on the sci-fi genre in general. But we can get into that when we when we do a full, uh, a more full review. But it, it's a it's a fun movie. Not a great film, but it's a fun film. It's like a three star film.
0: Three stars. Okay. I mean, it, it sounds like it's still worth checking out. Definitely.
1: Like... I think so. And and it's it's a very it's a, it's a very visually, uh, visually impressive film, especially when they're in Tomorrowland. So I think it is worth checking out on the on the big screen. You don't, but you don't. It, it, but if you don't like watching it on a Blu Ray later in a couple months down the road, it's probably fine. It, it it is a it is a pretty look. It is a very pretty movie. Um, but I had fun with it. Um, it's not gonna. It's not Mad Max good. Certainly. Yeah, that's uh, not ex- I would think. It, it, As far as sci fi goes, this this year, it's not Mad Max good. It's not. Uh, uh, ex machina good but you know it's yeah. entertaining it was entertaining De- no, I'll
0: definitely check that out actually just because just I'm curious to see how it is even though I'm, I'm seeing you know it's basically 50-50 on reviews but I mean I, I fall to they, the positive
1: 50 I guess
0: yeah, I, I, yeah it seems like it I mean I do plan I have my studio copies here of Poltergeist of Tomorrowland I even have one that they sent me for Hot Pursuit although I'm not sure if I should just throw that out the window or not but uh
1: well I, I mean, if you want to review how pursuit you're going to do that one by your own
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean I, I'm assuming then that you threw your copies out in the garbage so. uh,
1: y- sure
0: <laughs> sure why not <laughs> but uh I mean we hopefully we'll have we'll have all those for you next time so I guess with that I'm ugh, I'm already skipping all the way to the end uh, I guess with that we can wrap up for Suspective Episode 65. actually five yeah go ahead. sorry
1: before you wrap up. I actually want your opinion on something before you go. Okay, so we're both uh, movie collectors, right? I would like to know how you arrange your films on your shelf. Do you have a system in place?
0: That's an interesting question because I'm kind of in the middle of reorganizing that because right now my shelf is a mess with all the extra stuff I've gotten over the past few months. I I haven't had a chance to really put them away, so just sitting either in front of the TV or just sitting in front of the shelf.
1: Okay, because my shelf, I spent, like, the the last several days reorganizing my shelf again. Because for the longest time, it was just alphabetical, right? Yeah. Absolutely 100% alphabetical. From didn't matter what format, whether it was DVD or, or Blu-ray, it was, you know, for, from A to Z alphabetical. But then I was like, you know, I don't like the aesthetic of the Blu-rays mixed in with the DVDs. So I'm going to, like, just make a Blu-ray section and a DVD section and then alphabetize the Blu-rays and alphabetize the the DVDs. And my wife is fine with this because if she wants to find a movie, she can find the movie alphabetically, and that's fine. But then as I was thinking it even more, I was like, you know, I do have a daughter now, and at some point she's going to want to watch movies, right? Uh, But I don't necessarily want her looking for movies and, like, have them next to movies that necessarily aren't appropriate for her, right? So maybe I should just make a section of all the kids and children's movies that I have. But then I thought to myself, well, if I'm making sections, maybe I should just categorize everything. So my latest project now was categorizing. And the other thing that bothered me is that since I had them, since I had them all alphabetized, all my criterions weren't next to each other, right? That's right. But they were all like mixed in with the other the other movies. So that's the other thing that kind of prompted this. So. I've I've categorized everything, and it was a big endeavor, and now I think I've got an okay system, but I'm still not sure. So here's my current system. It's all separated by categories and genres. So the the categories I have are are criterion. So my criterion are all in one section, yeah. and I'm I, I'm very happy with that because when they're all next to each other and they have that like criterion label all like in a row, it just looks nice and pretty. You know? It really does. It, look, it really looks nice. It looks like I don't know. It just looks nice to have all the Criterion labels right next to them, except for the, my one goddamn Royal Tenenbaums DVD, which is the old label style, oh. which has so it's screwing up the order. So I I'm kind of thinking I I think they re released it on Blu-ray. Which I have the Blu-ray. You're
0: absolutely
1: right. So, but I got the DVD before they like way back in the day, like back yeah. whenever it first came out on DVD. So it had the old style on it. So now I want to get the new the Blu-ray just to update the lineup so that it 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 makes it work. Um, the other one and the and this is how much of a nerd your co-host is. I had the Chasing Amy uh, Criterion, yeah. and that that also has the old uh, style logo. I had that one too. So I went online. <laughs> I am such a freaking dork. I went online and I downloaded a Photoshop template of the Criterion dvd art and then i've scanned my chasing amy cover and then i put it underneath <laughs> the, the, i put it underneath That's the criterion scary. template and then reprinted it out at a fedex kinkos and That's then put that awesome. in the thing so that it would line up perfectly again That's which i probably awesome. should have done with the royal Tenenbaums bombs as well but I, I figured it's probably just e- that was such a pain in the ass. It's easier just to buy the new copy of Royal and Moms, whereas Chasing Amy doesn't have a, a new copy yet. So that's that's um that's what I did. But uh so then so let me ask you this because this is what I did with the rest of my categories, right? Okay. So first of all, there's three uncategorized movies, but that's because they're in their own section. they they are the first three movies in the on my shelf because they're the three best movies ever made, and that's uh Casablanca. Susan Kane and The Godfather. They don't categorize because they're on the they're in their own category, right? Then you have the Criterion's, and then the next section is Best Picture winners, right? And yeah. then it goes into uh then it's, it's like gen then it goes by director for movies that I have a lot of directors. So then it's categorized by Hitchcock and uh Scorsese, uh Tarantino, um Spielberg. And I forget the other one, and then I go into cat like general categories like action, drama, horror, sci-fi, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But within, um, but then I, but then as I was in certain categories, I was like, well, crap, I kind of want all these together now. So oh, Kubrick was the other director, um, so I kind of want all these together now. So within action, there's a subgenre of just James Bond movies, right? So that's yeah, that's right. Then I was like, another subgenre of martial arts movies, another subgenre of Arnold movies, because you kind of have to have those together, you know? Um, and then under under uh, uh, comedy, there's general comedy, and then there's 80s comedies. Oh, and, see, I don't, um, even, I
0: don't even do it like that. I just – comedy, and it just is there.
1: No, I had to – because I had too many 80s comedies. I was like, I got to separate them, man. Like, I feel like Breakfast Club and – you know, uh, those kind of movies are separate than, like, you know, there's something about Mary. So I separated them. And then drama got separated into, like, regular drama, and then war, uh, and then biopics. Uh, And I didn't separate horror movies because I think it was getting too much. So I just kept general horror. So I didn't, like, do vampires or zombies or anything. That's general horror. The only thing I separated out of sci-fi was superheroes. So all my superhero comic book movies are all together. So that's my general – oh, and also my children and animated movies are all together so my daughter can easily find them someday. Nice. So that's my general categorization, and I know that I sound like a raving madman at this point. But I, I, I want to know – I, I want to put this out there to the audience because I know there's got to be other freaks like me that either appreciate this or know my like constant struggle to keep things organized. Yeah. My wife hates this, by the way, because now she can't find anything. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, but now you know, now if, you could, now if you're in the mood for something, you can go to a certain section instead of looking through all the titles. And she's like, Whatever. I don't understand. <laughs> but um, it's, nice to see, it's nice to look at the shelf and see all the Hitchcocks together, you know? It's like, Oh, there they all are.
0: That's true. I mean, I, I agree. Definitely. But uh, what, here's, what I was going to say before was um, you mentioned the criterion before. And I sent you the uh, link for the August titles, bro. Yes. Probably the first time in a while where a, a month of their releases, I wanted to get all of them. Dress to Kill, which you think is weird, but I don't think so at all. I think Dress to Kill is awesome. It's um, such
1: a like trashy movie. Like it's, I love the fact that it's, it's, it's not that it's weird. It's like, it's like, huh? All right, Dress to Kill. All right, we'll do that. It's fine.
0: Yeah. It's he, it's,
1: uh, it's, a, it's a trashy movie, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree but it's but it's also awesome. it's our boy De Palma who I love I will never hate De Palma the person ever again because of Scarface. That's my absolute favorite movie as a lot of people know. So I he'll always be up there for me because of that. Um but you have Dress to Kill, you have 2 Days 1 Night which I told you about was awesome movie. Marion T.R. was nominated for the Oscar for that. Um Night in the City, uh French the, Lieutenant's I, Woman? Yes, French Lieutenant's Woman. Yes, I yeah, heard yeah, about yeah. that cuz I talked about that in my uh my film class so i always wanted to see it now it's coming out on criterion definitely gotta check it out now and um just great stuff this month it's great I, there's a, a true foe title there too
1: they, i'm annoyed that they because that they bumped moonrise kingdom to september because that was supposed to come out in july and they bumped it to september that, that annoys me
0: yeah, oh moonrise oh yeah i heard about that they bumped it but i don't know why i think you I don't have to do with the artwork
1: I don't think that that artwork would delay something like that. Well, maybe
0: they they can't decide on something. That's you know. I don't
1: know. There must be something holding it up. I don't know what it is. That's what I told you, bro. Don't buy Wes Anderson movies because they're gonna come out on Blu-ray. Almost everything up to this point, except at this point now, it's only Grand Budapest that that doesn't have Criterion now. But it will, because everything else has. Because it took for it took a long time for Fantastic Mr. Fox for some reason, which I believe was the first. Animated film that they ever put on Criterion, right? Um, but once at, once Fantastic Mr. Fox came out, and by then uh, um, Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic, and Bottle Rocket, Owen Rushmore were all on, but mm-hmm. they skipped over Darjeeling Limited for a while. But then they went back and put that in.
0: Yeah, because that, to me, it, it's okay. It's not really that's one his one weakest of his one.
1: That is really his weakest one. Um, and then yeah, now like, they put like for me like it
0: was a struggle for me to even watch that one. But it came out, I think, on the Sundance Channel. Because I left Sundance because it's always unedited. Like it, it'll go for like four hours because with the commercials, but it'll be unedited. So I always trust watching movies off of Sundance if I haven't seen them before. Like I watch Boogie Nights off of Sundance channel. Um, So I said, okay, let me watch this finally. And I mean, I, it, it was okay, but it was like compared to like his other ones, it's definitely like. Yeah,
1: it's not, not, my, favorite. It's not my favorite either. Um, but now like Moonrise is now coming out. So the only one left is Grand Budapest. So that's why I'm not buying Grand Budapest. Because I know at some point it's going to get a Criterion. Because they love the Wes Anderson over at Criterion for some reason. Yeah,
0: that's like their boy right there.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Or their boy uh, Wesley. In
1: June, in June, we're getting the Fisher King, which I've actually oh, already,
0: thank God. Thank God. I've
1: already pre-ordered the Fisher King. I'm a, I, I pre-ordered that They're one. All,
0: oh, you pre-ordered? I didn't pre-order mine because I'm waiting for like the July Barnes & Noble 50% off yeah. every year
1: um that's a good point but i did pre-order uh fisher king and the killers i'm not sure if you ever saw the killers, the killers i've seen the I don't think there's I've ever two seen versions it. of it um and they're both on this set i've seen the 1946 version which has the first um, uh, uh the debut of burt lancaster uh, on screen yeah um and it's essentially like it's essentially about burt the burt lancaster character gets killed off in the first like couple minutes of the movie as like uh like, these hitmen come in and kill him, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the movie is kind of like a procedural, finding out why they killed him and who he was and things like that. It's kind of like Citizen Kane, but, like, with gangsters.
0: Oh, sweet. That sounds pretty awesome.
1: It's not – I mean, it's not as, like – like, uh, what's the word? It's not as, like, profound as Citizen Kane, but it's kind of like the same setup. Like, he dies at the beginning, and then, like, he, he, there's, like, an investigation interviewing different people about him at different points in his life.
0: Oh, nice.
1: So it's like the same format. But then there's a uh, there's a second version that came out in 1964 um, that is also on this set that I've never seen. I've only seen the Burt uh, Lancaster one. So I pre-ordered that one. Um, and that comes out in July, I think. But I heard a lot of good things about Tays One Night.
0: Oh, it's really good, man. I, I was pleasantly surprised because I went into it you know, uh, it was more of a chore that I went into it because I wanted to see all the Oscar-nominated films, whether it's best picture or you know the acting nominees too so i, I kind of went and say, okay i have to see this so let's just get it over with but i was pleasantly surprised halfway through i was already into it and it's just just a great story it's it's, it's the story and then her performance that really carry it but it was just it was, it was i was pleasantly surprised
1: yeah all uh, right uh I, 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 i'm i'm gonna check that out i think it's on amazon uh vod i might check it out before it rent it before i do anything else with it um and like I said, I, I I got the Make Way for Tomorrow, which uh, you got to watch at some point, dude. It is. I know this is not. a, a yeah. This might not be a selling point for some people, but it is legitimately one of the saddest freaking things I've ever seen in my life. But it's excellent. It's absolutely one of the most excellent movies I've ever seen. But it's it's and it's not like it's a great tragedy like Schindler's List, because Schindler's List deals with the Holocaust and these horrible tragedies tragedies against humanity, right? This is just a movie about like an old couple, but. It's imagine like it, it, it's not quite like up, you know, but it's not like as fun as up is. But it's it's kind of in the same vein, but except for like an hour and a half, you know, it's really, <laughs> it's really sad, but it's incredible. And like, I think Oliver or not, uh, like Orson Welles said, it's like, if you don't cry at this movie, you're made out of rocks or something like that.
0: Oh, uh, well, Orson Welles said it, then, you know, you need to take it to the bank
1: it's really it's really kind of an amazing movie um but so you gotta you, you should watch i'm not saying you should i don't i, I don't advocate buying before you watch so you should so i'm not saying that you should probably rent it or, or something at some point yeah but it is a really really good movie
0: yeah i'm seeing some of the uh special features on the uh dress to kill blu-ray and one of the things i see here is uh it's a it's a piece on the uh different versions of the film and the cuts that the poem made to avoid an X. I love hearing stuff like that because I, there's the documentary did on Scarface where there's this section where they talk about how, you know, they they didn't accept the original version because it was, you know, they gave it an X rating. Then he cut it again. It was an X rated again. And he cut it a third time and they still got an X rating. So that's when he went to appeal, it's like the board and all that. And they finally said, we'll make it an R, which they did. So then he went back and he said, you know what? My first cut was an X. My second cut was an X. My third cut was an X. Now all of a sudden they just made it an R. What's the I mean, if their criteria criteria for making an X is the same and I got an R for this third one, I'm gonna release my first version, my original version. So that's like to put speculation to rest. The cut you see now out there on Blu-ray and all that is the original cut that that came out in theaters, which is the original X-rated cut that he intended. I love hearing stories like that, and I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look forward to seeing the story behind the Dress to Kill stuff and. Because you know, there's all when it comes to movies like this, there's always wacky stories like that. So I'm I'm definitely very interested.
1: That is interesting. and very interesting. Hmm.
0: But uh, now, we kind of got sidetracked. But now let to get to how my movies are set up right now in my room. Okay, so as it stands right now, even though it's not gonna stay like this forever, as it stands right now, I have I have a chest, like you know, one of those like chests that has doors that you just you open and you put stuff in i have a chest and i have like a stand one of those it's not one of those like regular stands you see like and at, at target for like 20 bucks or whatever that like you just slide it in it's like it's basically like a mini shelf like it's just like five shelvings and you could uh like the, they have dividers with them so you can like divide it by section if you wanted to but uh for the, the uh the five shelf thing tower that i have which is next to my tv the top shelf I put all my favorite movies on there, whether it's Blu-ray or DVD they are on that top shelf. Like I have Scarface obviously in front, Platoon, uh, The Godfather Trilogy. I have The Cable Guy. (laughs) I have Big Daddy. It's like it's just just a mixture of all like films that I – one of my favorite films that I enjoy. Like The Dark Knight is on there, The Hangover, the first one, Um, Superbad, Taxi Driver. They're all on that top shelf. Then the second shelf are all my steel books, which has become a problem lately because I've been buying nothing but steelbooks. So I kind of have to expand that section. So I kind of spilled over to the next shelf, which is the, the shelf number three, where I have my digit books, which are you know the, the Blu-ray books that I like to buy sometimes too. Then there's some steel books, and then there's 3D films. So all the films that I have that have a 3D version are in that third shelf. Then the fourth shelf is universal now. I, the reason I separate universals because they have different like sets that you could collect. Like for example, in front of that shelf is all the universal steel books that have like the wacky comic book art on it, which is awesome. And then after that, I have the the universal 100th anniversary uh, slip covers. So like the Breakfast Club, Jaws, yeah, yeah. those all have the special edition cover. So they also
1: have the legacy series too. Do you have any of those?
0: Um, legacy, I don't think I have. I know that. For out of Africa, the version I have is a is the digit book, but it's part of the 100th anniversary collector series, so mm. that's like in front of everything because it's different. And I also have the Scarface that you the original that you bought for me as a gift. I have that in front too, in front of everybody. And then the bottom shelf, the physical, is just a just a random assortment of my other favorite films that I couldn't really find a place for. Like Apocalypse Now is there, uh, Metropolis, Double Indemnity, This Is the End. Reservoir Dogs, Schindler's List, Fight Club—all that's on the bottom shelf. There's just a different mix of other favorite films that I have. It's kind of a continuation of my top shelf. Then in the chest itself, I have the Criterion films all arranged. You know, I think they take up like the first two or three shelves. So all the Criterion films are there, and then for the other Blu-rays, I arrange them by whether it's like action films, comedy films, Christmas films. I put all the way at the bottom because I don't use them much unless it's, you know till Christmas time. And then on top of that chest is where I keep my box sets Watchmen, the Bond 50 set, Harry Potter, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, JFK, Superman, Turtles. All, the, all box sets are on the top of that. And then right underneath it is, right on top of that is my shelf, my prop shelf, where I have Turbo Man, the uh, Scream Mask, you know, you know the, the Awesome Mix Volume 1 tape. It's all, all my prop shelf. And then now DVDs. I don't keep DVDs in there anymore. DVDs I keep in a separate little, um, like a separate little like night table that has like like a a drawer underneath, like kind of a drawer, I guess. And that's where I put all my DVD versions of stuff now, because I don't really take them out anymore unless I don't have the movie. But that's basically my weird setup. But I have to rearrange how I'm doing now because I have more stuff. I have to put away like more steel books. That's just sitting there right now.
1: it's a yeah. It, it, everyone has their own way. I just kind of wanted to see. Like what yours was, because I, I have my own system and I wanted to see what other people's were.
0: Yeah, I have, a, I have the Casablanca set and I have the Singing in the Rain set that I have to find room for. On
1: top yeah, of the that, yeah, so I have – so like you're talking those big white boxes? Yeah. So, yeah, so I have the Casablanca one and the Singing in the Rain one uh, and the Ben-Hur one. I have the
0: Bender um,
1: one also. And the Sound of Music. And, and so right now... Oh, I don't have the Sound of Music. I do have the Blu-ray, but I don't have... I didn't get the big special edition. Um, and then the other big box that I have like that is not a movie at all, but it's the complete Batman Beyond uh, series on DVD. Oh, it has, nice. It comes in comes comes one of those boxes. So, like, I have... I took, like, the actual DVDs out in their, like, actual DVD jewel case. I took them out, and they're on the shelf. But then all those big special edition boxes are just kind of, like... Not in storage, but they're, like, kind of put away. There's no where to def- – I don't have space to display them right now. And I wish I did. Like, I don't know what to do with them. Like, it, yeah. it's just kind of like they're just out. But uh, I do I do really love uh, – I love those boxes, though. They're so beautiful. Yeah.
0: There's, there's – I have four new ones I have to find room for on, on top of my chest now. It's Singing the Rain, Casablanca. I got the Forrest Gump one that originally came out in, like, 2009. That's a chocolate box. And then I have the Ten Commandments that I have to find room for. So those are my new box sets. I was going to get Gone with the Wind, but when I saw what it came with, I was like, eh, you know what? I don't really need all that extra stuff. So I just bought the the Time and Lux edition that Warner Brothers are doing now for some of the movies.
1: Yeah, that's the same thing I got with – I got that for Gone with the Wind. I considered getting the big, huge box for Gone with the Wind, and I just was like, yeah, I'll just buy the Blu-ray. the the, the
0: big set I actually bought for my mother as a – I think it was for her birthday. I bought that set because – Guardians was one of her favorite movies, so I figured she'd enjoy that box more than I would. So I just bought the regular Diamond Lux version. And then also on on that's on top of my uh my chest, my big chest are also my uh vinyls. So Drive, Halloween, Maniac, Breakfast Club, all my vinyls. Guardians right of the Galaxy. It's all on top of that. So you know a lot of stuff on there.
1: See the I don't I don't get into vinyls because I, I think that was
0: that, that that's too niche for you I think. Or niche, I don't know how you say it, but it's too niche for you. <laughs> um, mm. but that's pretty. That's my that's my setup. I mean, uh, I mean, like you said, everybody has their own way to do it. But I mean, it's right now mine is in the process of reinventing itself. I got to figure out how because I have all these steel books that right. I need to find places for, like American Sniper, Rambo, um, Interstellar. So. You know, I got and there's more on the way, I'm sure, in the future. So I gotta make room for that. Too. Yeah,
1: I've I've got a problem. I've got too many movies. <laughs> I got
0: you got a problem. I go out of. Oh, I even got freaking bro. I, I think you saw it on Facebook. I got the original Fly, The Fly, Vincent Price, The Fly on Steelbook.
1: Yeah, that's. I didn't realize they made a Steelbook or something like that.
0: Exactly. it, it, it was in a it was a UK only release, but I got it for like 18 bucks.
1: You so, know, Steelbooks is the Steel- only thing that I'm. Steel books are the only things I'm like I don't get into. Like I have one steel book, and it's for a, a Christmas story of all things. I just I don't I don't know. I don't get into the the collecting. I get why people do it, but that so far has been like the one thing I've been like able to resist. I'm like, yeah, I don't need that.
0: No, but some of the artwork on on these are just so beautiful. I, I, like yeah, I, I know.
1: I, I know like the, the, I know the Nightcrawler on. one I showed you
0: that I have. Yeah,
1: the Nightcrawler one's nice. The Nightcrawler one is nice.
0: <laughs> and then I don't I, know. I, I just.
1: It's just like one more thing I don't need to like get involved in, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. once you start, like, it's, yeah, you kind of get, kind of get addicted to it. Like, for example, like the one that's coming in next in a couple of weeks, or maybe maybe a because it's coming from the UK. I double dipped and I got Whiplash, the steelbook from the from Zavi, which is they're famous for their steelbooks. So I double dipped on Whiplash because it's such an amazing film because I just fell in love with the artwork because basically it's it's the symbols with blood on them and if that's the whole and the whole case is just one big symbol and it has all the blood stains from uh from miles teller was you know drumming and all that but it's just so looks so nice so beautiful they got screenshots of, of on the side of like different angles of it the inside of it is just so I, I couldn't pass it up especially since i love that movie i couldn't pass it up but yeah that, that's pretty much it. i guess with with that we can uh wrap up for suspected episode 65 at last <laughs> Any questions comments feedback just send an email to podcast at gmail.com. Just be sure to put in the subject line for perspective or FP. Um, I think you said this last week, Adolfo, but you don't have any plugs. You don't have time for plugs.
1: I don't have time for plugs, man. I have, <laughs> I'm, I have, I have a daughter and a, a full-time job, and I have no time to do anything else, unfortunately. So uh, – you're lucky you got me on this. So, yeah. <laughs> for, so, so for as long as that we got, I have to find the time. As you saw, it was hard to schedule this one. It was, yeah, we have to find time in the in the nooks and crannies.
0: Or I had to push it back. Yeah, it was crazy, but I'm glad you're able to do it though. So but, no uh, plugs for me. I mean, I have a couple of plugs. Um, if you haven't checked out the last couple of episodes of Force Perspective, episode 63, I just talked about my time at the Montclair Film Festival, review some of the films that I previewed there. In fact, I think Love and Mercy is supposed to come out. Next week or in a couple of weeks in a limited release. So if you heard my review on there, you like it, you want to check it out, definitely go see it and support that film. Um, Then the last episode, we just spent two hours on The Avengers with, with Big D. It was a great time, great show. And uh, last week on Super Friends Universe, instead of A Force Perspective, I put out the Pinocchio History of Disney episode, episode number 002. And that was two and a half hours of fun if I ever – I was so looking forward to doing that show, and I'm, we did, and it was just the fun. You know, these guys are wacky. You know Mr. Eddie. Mr. like you know the, the king of wackiness. So we had a lot of fun with that show. I definitely, definitely suggest checking it out. Even if you've never seen it before, which I don't know how. You've never seen Pinocchio before, but um, definitely check it out. It's definitely a fun time. And that's pretty much it. Just check out all the other great stuff on superfriendsuniverse.com. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Any, uh, any last words before we get out of here?
1: No, organize your DVD shelves, people. It's, yeah. it's your duty.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, yes. Organize your DVD shelves in your own unique way. Don't just copy what we're doing. You know, if you want to, you can. And we're not stopping you. But definitely find, find what you like more, what, what's unique to you, and do it that way. Uh, and guess that's, that's going to do it. Um, on behalf of Adolfo, SportsGuy515, thank you for joining us on this episode. And uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, take it easy, everybody. Thanks. I'm really, really sorry about your big noses. I'm really sorry about how greedy you are. But most of all, I'm really sorry about your dirty, underhanded, backstabbing ways. Your number one dirty Jew fan, Mel Gibson.